Hare Krishna, welcome to this episode of Chaitanya Charitamrita. In today's episode, we will continue with the 13th chapter of the Adalila, the advent of Lord Chaitanya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om Ajnanat Mirandhas Jnananjana Shalakaya Chakshuran Militam Yenatasmai Shri Gurave Namaha. Shri Chaitanya Manobhishtam Sthapitam Yena Bhutale Svayam Rupakadamahyam Dadatisvapadantitam Vandeham Shri Guru Shri Yutapadakamalam Shri Gurum Vaishnavamscha Shri Rupam Sagrajatam Sahagana Raghunatham Itam Tam Sajivam Sadvaitam Savadhutam Parijana Sahitam Krishna Chaitanya Devam Shri Radha Krishna Padan Sahagana Lalita Shri Vishakhan Vitamscha He Krishna Karuna Sindho Dina Bandho Jagatpate Gopesha Gopika Kanta Radha Kanta Namosute Tapta Kanchana Gaurangi Radhe Vrindavaneshwari Vrishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamami Hari Priye <coughs> Vanchakalpatarubhyascha kripasandhubhya evacha patitanam pavanebhyo vaishnavebhyo namon namaha nama om vishnupadaya krishna preshthaya bhutale shrimate bhakti vedanta swaminiti namine namaste saraswati deve gauravani pracharine Nirvishesha Sunyavadi Paschatya Deshatarine Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhunityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Hare Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare <clears throat> so we will be continuing um, the 13th chapter of the Adulila of Chaitanya Charitamrita. Verse 51 onwards. We actually finished at 51 in the last um, session. But we will start again at 51. Because it's kind of like an introduction. Adulila Sutra Likhi Shunobhaktagan my dear devotees of Lord Chaitanya, let me now write a synopsis of the Adalila. I write of these pastimes in brief because it is not possible to describe them in full. Sankshepa. <coughs> Sankshepe in brief. <coughs> Sorry. Text 52. To fulfill a particular desire within his mind, Lord Krishna, Rajendra Kumar, decided to descend to this planet after mature contemplation. <coughs> <coughs> Age avatari la jeje guru parivar, Sankshepe kohiya kaha, 
Lord Krishna therefore first allowed his family of superiors to descend to the earth. I shall try to describe them in brief because it is not possible to describe them fully. Now, um, this is actually kind of um, carrying forward from what we have spoken in the morning in the Srimad Bhagavatam class. If you do not know, I, there was a morning class Bhagavatam I was asked to give. And um, I was asked to take, sorry. So I, I, I delivered the lecture. So in that way, I was explaining about this Gotra Dharma and on which I'm writing an article currently. Um, <coughs> so we talked about the Gurukula. What is Gurukula? Uh, that was the whole topic of today's morning's class. And Gurukul, usually people we understand um, as, you know, the brahmacharis, they stay in the Gurukula. It's like a school and all. But actually, it's much, much more than that, much deeper than that. Gurukula. Kula means family. Guru means the spiritual master. So Gurukula means the family of the spiritual master. <coughs> or the house of the spiritual master. So Brahmachari Gurukule, that means he stays in the house of the spiritual master as one of his family members. And as disciples, we're also part of the family of the spiritual master, Acharya Santan. All this we have covered in the morning. If you have not attended, I would suggest to go, go back and watch. And I'll be covering that also in the article that I'm drafting right now, um, which may be out soon. So, so this is very important to understand. Um, now, <coughs> Another aspect of Gotra Dharma, I have mentioned in, in the morning that um, the real essence of Gotra or Vamsha or Parivar, Santan, um, Parampara, Sampradaya, Kula, Jati, Varna, all these words, they usually are understood in terms of seminal lineage or seminal dynasties or something like that. But actually, the real connecting factor, especially in human life, in animal life, yes, only sex matters. Like even in dogs, we have breeds. Alstation and, um, you know, Doberman, German Shepherd, you know, so many uh, breeds are there. Sometimes there are interbreeding. So that is sexual breeding, sexual understanding of or seminal understanding of the parampara, pedigree. Now in human um, parampara or dynasties or vamsha, we are not only to consider the sexual or seminal descent, but more importantly than anything else, the disciplic succession. Master to disciple, from master to disciple. And what is the subject matter of such instructions? That is Krishna consciousness. Now, we have an example of this in the Bhagavad Gita. Imam vivasvate yogam proktavana hamavyayam vivasvan manaveprahab manurikshvakave bravit. Fourth chapter, first verse. What is the topic here? Vivasvan is the sun god. Surya Bhagavan will say. 
he spoke to his son ekshwaku and uh, manu sorry manu spoke to his son ekshwaku now that is the disciplic succession and then eventually krishna says sakale neha mahata yoga nashta parantava evam parampara praptam imam rajarsha yogadhu so this science was supreme science was thus received through the chain of disciplic succession and the saintly kings understood it in that way but in course of time the succession was broken and therefore the science as it is appears to be lost <coughs> now although vivaswan manu and ikshvaku were in the same family they are of family descent seminal descent but they are quoted here in bhagavad gita because of their disciplic uh descent not so much about not so much because they are of seminal descent because if you see in this word in this verse three times the word spoken is used proktavan praha abravit you see what is proktavan instructed praha told abravit said so the the word spoken is three times stressed in this verse one verse so the 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 focus is on the transference of knowledge not just seminal descent and in human society ahar nidra bhayamaithunam cha samanyam etat pashubhir naranam धर्मे धर्मो हितेशो विशेषो धर्मेण हीन पशुभि समाना सो विदाउट धर्म धर्म इज द ओनली थिंग दैट डिस्टिंग्विशेस अस फ्रॉम द एनिमल्स अदरवाइज आवर डोमेन ऑफ एक्टिविटीज विद द एनिमल्स आर द सेम बिकॉज़ आहार निद्रा भय मैथुन ईटिंग मेटिंग स्लीपिंग एंड डिफेंडिंग आर कॉमन अमंगस्ट ह्यूमंस एंड एनिमल्स बट द वन थिंग दैट डिस्टिंग्विशेस अस फ्रॉम द एनिमल्स इज धर्म so in our pedigree or in our lineage if the concept of dharma is not included and if we only consider seminal descent to be the most important aspect of inheritance of or anything like that then we are making a big mistake then we are actually treating ourselves like animals now this brahmana by birth right and all this this is actually animalistic viewpoint just as we study dogs according to their birth there's nothing i mean there's no reformation for dogs so <clears throat> so this is the actual thing that we have to be um, concerned about now apart from this there is a reason why krishna you see here in today's verse lord krishna therefore first allowed his family of superiors to descend on descend to the earth i shall try to describe them in brief because it is not full, possible to describe them fully now krishna said sakala neha mahata the disciplic succession is you know handed down the knowledge is handed down through disciplic succession and in due course of time the succession is broken and the science is lost that's the disciplic succession but gotra kutumba jati kula all these are also um, referred to the family these words are used for family also so even those krishna wants to purify because if there are family traditions that have changed over time for example i'll give an example 
when devotees join this movement especially as brahmacharis or sometimes even as householders they get a lot of resistance from the family oh you are you know uh, leaving the family leaving our family traditions you know we are worshiping this demigod now you are leaving it um so things like that are sometimes said and oh you are you know going into a different line something like that but so there it the devotees who have <laughs> taken up krishna consciousness seriously they are accused of breaking the family tradition or oh, you are you know maybe you know shaivites for example family may be worshiping lord shiva then he becomes a vaishnava and he becomes worshiper of krishna then he, oh you are you know breaking our family tradition you know we are supposed to be you know worshipers of shiva and now we are worshiping vishnu or krishna like that or durga something like that you know oh we are durga worshipers now we are worshiping krishna so on and so forth so the devotees are accused of breaking the family tradition but what actually happened is over time over many generations the family tradition is already broken we all belong to what family krishna says in bhagavad gita aham bija pradah pita i am the father of everyone and therefore vasudhaiva kutumbakam means the entire world as one family under what basis on what basis because krishna is our father so actually we all belong to that family we have become a traitor we have now become something else so we have broken away from the actual tradition and now this has become the established tradition the changed version or the distorted version is now the tradition and if somebody breaks that and goes back to the original one now he is accused of breaking the tradition but actually the tradition was already broken now we are actually fixing it so they don't understand this so when krishna comes in a dynasty or when he sends his devotees into you know like before krishna came he first allowed his family of superiors to come what he is essentially doing he is actually purifying the families in which the devotees are born and actually there is a nice um, reference to this in the chaitanya bhagavat now i was reading the other day mm, how to find this now a detailed explanation of this to find actually there is a vrindavan das thakur explains this very nicely he says that in order to purify um contaminated families he krishna puts um pure devotees in their families so the question was that why do sometimes pure devotees take birth in fallen families so the explanation for that is that that yes usually you know bhagavad gita says you know um, those who are exalted in their yoga practice they they birth they take birth in aristocratic families
But sometimes it is found that devotees take birth in contaminated families. And why is that so? So Krishna, out of his compassion for the fallen souls, and of course he's seeing some qualification, by his arrangement, he makes pure devotees take birth in contaminated families so that such families can be purified. And their tradition, what is the purification of a family? The traditions of the family become purified. And then hopefully down the line, just like in the disciplic succession, there is the descent, disciplic descent. Then there is also seminal descent. So the idea is, even by seminal descent, they may be purified. For example, um, Bhaktivinoda Thakur, he was born not in a Vaishnava family, but in quite a you know um, influential family in social terms, but not in a Vaishnava family. But then he became Vaishnava, and his children are all Vaishnavas. His wife is Vaishnava. And of course, we have Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur, who is the world Acharya. I mean, so the purification of the dynasty happened just because of the presence of such a pure devotee. Hmm. And I, I really hope I can um, do justice to this. Um, I was reading this, like. I don't know where I was reading. Ah, on the order of the Lord. I'm reading from the second chapter of the Adi Khanda of Chaitanya Bhagavad. All of his associates took birth in human society. Yeah. Ananta, Shiva, Brahma, various sages and associates of all the Lord's previous incarnations all took birth as great devotees. Yeah. You see, this is... Only Gaura Krishna knew which associate took birth as which devotee. Some took birth in Navadvip, some in Chattagram, some in Radhadesh, some in Orissa, some in Srihatta, and some in the West. Although the devotees appear in different places, they all gathered in Navadvip. Most of the Vaishnavas took birth in Navadvip and some beloved associates appeared elsewhere. They along with Murari Gupta who cures the living entities of the material disease all took birth in Sri Hatta. Yeah. 
Kundari Vidya Nidhi is the topmost Vaishnava Chaitanya Vallabh. Haridas Thakur is a good example, right? He, he took birth in a Mohammedan family. So, that is an example of a great devotee who was born in a not-so-aristocratic not family. I'll just, um, just bear with me here a little while. The banks of the Ganga are more sanctified. Why then would a Vaishnava take birth at an impious place? This is the point. Okay, this is the point I was trying to make. Why then would a Vaishnava take birth at an impious place? The Lord appeared on the bank of the Ganga. So why did his associates appear in distant places? Commentary. I think this is this commentary is based on uh, the Acharya's commentaries. The term Shochadesh or impious places is described in Srimad Bhagavatam 11.21.8 as follows. Among places, those bereft of the spotted antelope, those devoid of devotion to the Brahmanas, those possessing spotted antelopes, uh, but bereft of respectable men, provinces like Kikata, and places where cleanliness and purificatory rites are neglected, where meat eaters are prominent, or where the earth is barren, are all considered to be contaminated lands. In Manusamhita, or Manusmriti, 2.23, it is stated, places devoid of sacrificial performances and naturally grazing spotted antelopes are known as Mlechadeshas or impious lands. The Ganga, which emanates from the lotus feet of Vishnu and which is the best of the seven sacred rivers, is glorified by the Puranas as possessing the topmost potency for purification. That is why she has a special position among devotees. Okay, this is... um Okay. Since many, Lord many of Lord Chaitanya's associates appear outside of Gaudadesh, many questions may arise in the hearts of materialistic people. If Vaishnavas appear in a place that is so contaminated that the visitor requires atonement, a place that hinders one's purification, then people will consider these pure Vaishnavas as materially contaminated and forced to enjoy the fruits of pious and impious activities. Therefore, the question arises, why did the pious Vaishnavas take birth in places not visited by the Pandavas or touched by the Ganga instead of appearing on the banks of the Ganga? One may also question why Sri Chaitanya Dev personally appeared in the highest Brahmana family of Navadvi, which is situated on the banks of the supremely pure Ganga, yet he had his associates appear in places far from the Ganga in families other than Brahmanas. In answer to these questions, it may be said that pure Vaishnavas appear in such places and in such families in order to purify those places and families. This will be explained by the author in verses 46 through 52. Now, let's see 46 and 47 now. Here it starts. Out of compassion, Lord Krishna ordered his great devotees to appear in places where the Ganga does not flow, where the holy names are not chanted, and where the Pandavas did not visit. So, in the elab for, the, for an elaboration of the meaning of this verse, one can refer to the following verses from Srimad Bhagavatam 7, 10, 18, and 19, and 1, 115. So, this is uh, 7, 10, 18 is when Narasimhadev says that just by you, Prahlad, taking birth in this family, 21 generations are purified. So, that is how Krishna purifies even the families. You see? <clears throat> and next. Sri Chaitanya descended to deliver the entire universe. He has confirmed this with his own words. The Lord had his devotees who are equal to him appear at impious places and in impious families in order to deliver everyone. 
the term sochakule is explained as follows pious people are not affected by low birth because they are born in pure brahmana families <clears throat> kshatriyas vaishyas shudras and antyajas are progressively more impious Fruity workers are born in impious families due to their sinful activities, but Vaishnavas who are engaged in the service of Lord Vishnu are as good as Vishnu. They are able to purify all sorts of impious countries and families. In the Shastras also it is said, in the Shastras it is also said, stated, Kulampavitram janani kritartha vasundhara vavasatishcha dhanya nrityanti svarge pitaropitesham yesham kule vaishnavanamadheyam In whatever family a Vaishnava appears, his family, mother, birthplace and residence become purified and his forefathers dance in the heavens. The words Apana Saman indicate that Vaishnavas are the spiritual masters of the entire world and inconceivably one with and different from Lord Krishna. They represent the absolute truth and they personify the syllable Omkara. Through the Vaishnavas, Sri Krishna delivers the conditioned souls whose aversion to Hari is born from accepting materialistic Varnashram and caste consciousness. See, this is important point through the vaishnava shri krishna delivers the conditioned souls whose aversion to hari is born from accepting materialistic varnashram and caste consciousness that is why the vaishnava shastras haribhakti vilas vilas loudly declare avaishnavopadishtenam mantrena nirayam vrajet punascha vidhinasam yagraha yed vaishnavat guroha one who receives a mantra from a guru who is a non-devotee or who is addicted to sense enjoyment is doomed to a life in hell such a person must immediately approach a genuine Vaishnava Guru and again accept the mantra from him. So, since these contaminated family traditions are being passed down, Krishna wants to purify all of that. So that apart from his disciplic succession, even the seminal successions become purified. So, that is the whole. So, when Krishna says, Dharma samsthapanarthaya sambhavami yuge yuge, to re-establish religious principles, he does this on multiple fronts. Not just, oh, he has come and, you know, set everything right and gone, went back and everything is back in chaos. No, that's not. And the Lord does not only arrange for his devotees to come before him, but even after his departure, he's, he, he sends devotees to make sure the system that he set up will continue. Because after Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's disappearance, Gaudiya Vaishnavism went into the dark ages. And then later on, of course, there were pure devotees, but especially when Bhaktivinoda Thakur came about. Of course, even Baladev Vidya Bhushan, Vishnu Chakravarti Thakur. Baladev Vidya Bhushan revived the faith in Gaudiya Vaishnavism when he presented the Govinda Bhashya of the Vedanta Sutra in the assembly of Vaishnavas. That was a momentous occasion. And later on, when Bhaktivinoda Thakur appeared, uh, he revolutionized the preaching scene again. He again revived the glory of the Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And Bhaktisiddhan Saraswati Thakur spread it all over India in an organized manner. And Sri Prabhupada took it all over the world. So, Krishna is arranging for his associates to come before him during his presence and after his departure as well. And he is not only bringing about the disciplic descent, but also the seminal descent. Purifying families by making his devotees appear in them. And he himself appearing in families. And then glorifying of course, he comes in families of his devotees. But his devotees take birth in which families? The families were contaminated before that, right? So when the devotee comes, he will become purified. So purified that the Lord himself comes in such dynasties. 
in this way the only purifying factor apavitra pavitrova sarvamastham gatopiva yasmare pundarikaksham sabahya bhyantara suchi how can anything be purified inside or outside by the by the remembrance of the lord so for another example okay let me continue, finish that so by remembering the lord the dynasties become purified uh, for example in narasimhadev's leela narasimhadev kills hiranyakashipu and what does he do after that he sits on the throne of hiranyakashipu usually when we offer to the lord we have to offer new things which we have never used and what to speak of something which was used by a demon the lord was sitting on that so why because the lord purifies that's not the proper way to offer to the lord but the lord does it to purify so when the lord comes everything becomes purified even the demon who is killed by the at the hands of the lord is purified you see so this is uh, very important to understand so through the family through the his disciples and devotees he purifies the whole world and then he he of course does so many superhuman or you know wonderful activities which will of course purify those who have seen them but also he makes arrangement for them to be written by devotees either vyasadev or here in this case krishnadas kavraj goswami or vrindavan das thakur he arranges for these pastimes to be written so that people in the future can be purified by remembering the pastimes ever victorious pastimes of the lord so in this way and then he of course sends acharyas who um preach on the basis of these books and in this way the whole world is purified by the appearance of the lord so in this way we have to understand things so continuing on one who receives a mantra from a guru is who is a non devotee and who is addicted to sense enjoyment is doomed to a life in hell if such a person must immediately approach a genuine vaishnava guru and again accept the mantra from him other than pure vaishnavas no one can properly act as an acharya anyone other than a pure vaishnava is a conditioned soul who suffers the results of his karma but vaishnavas are transcendental worshipers of vishnu and have conquered the illusory energy therefore they are as good as the lord vishnu as good as the lord vishnu they are liberated souls situated in pure goodness beyond the three modes of material nature they are eternal associates of lord vishnu and capable of protecting the conditioned souls from the covering and throwing potencies of maya by their instructions on sadhana bhakti people other than vaishnavas reject the service of vishnu and serve maya thus accepting temporary material objects as the controller eventually they accept the doctrine of impersonalism and fall in the path of atheism or godlessness in this way they lose all inclination for serving krishna now in whatever place or family vaishnava appears people for hundreds of thousands of miles around are all delivered you see not only the family in which they appear is delivered but also the area in which they appear is also delivered and for how much area hundreds of thousands of miles around are all delivered wherever the vaishnavas go that place becomes a sanctified place of pilgrimage je sthane vaishnava gana karen vijay she sthane hoy atipunya tirtham hoy tirthi kurvanti tirthani hmm karmi what is that sukarma sukarma kurvanti karmani sachhastram kurvanti shastrani so this is in the narada bhakti sutra 
<clears throat> See, out of humility, the great devotees of swan-like Vaishnavas consider themselves impure. They play the role of visiting holy places to purify themselves just to deceive the materialists. You see this? They play the role of visiting holy places to purify themselves just to deceive the materialists, while in fact they purify even the holy places. Ordinary places become sanctified by the presence of Vaishnavas. In this regard, Maharaj Yudhishthira said to Vidura in the Srimad Bhagavatam, Bhavad Vidha Bhagavatas Tirtha Tirtha Bhuta Swayam Vibho Tirthi Kurvanti Tirthani Svantahasthena Gadabhrita my Lord, devotees like your good self are verily holy places of pilgrimage personified. Because you carry the personality of Godhead within your heart, you turn all places into places of pilgrimage. When the materialistic enjoying mentality is absent in a conditioned soul, he becomes a sadhu. Places inhabited by Vaishnavas are better than ordinary holy places. You see? Places inhabited by Vaishnavas are better than ordinary holy places. Hmm. Therefore, Sri Chaitanya had his devotees appear in all different countries. See? So, in this way, there is nice explanation here. Let's go to that Narada Bhakti Sutra as well. Tirthi Kurvanti Tirthani, Sukarmi Kurvanti Karmani, Sachastri Kurvanti Shastrani. Narada Muni is saying, their association, I mean the association of pure devotees, the Lord's intimate servants, purify their own followers and the whole world. I think let's read this one as well. Among Bhakta Ekantino Mukhyaha. Among the Lord's devotees, the greatest are those who are dedicated to Him solely as His intimate servants. Kanthavarodha Roma Shrubhi Parasparam Lapamana Pavayanti Kulani Prithivimcha Kulani Pavayanti Kulani Prithivimcha Kula means family, communities, you know, dynasties, Prithivimcha, earth as well. Conversing among one another with throats choked, hair standing on end, and tears flowing, the Lord's intimate servants purify their own followers in the whole world. And their own followers means their own. Followers, their family, Kulani means Pavayani, Pavayanti Kulanicha, Prithivimcha. So, purify their own families, communities, followers, whoever. By how do they do that? By conversing the topics of Krishna. That why, that's why Shravanam, Kirtanam, Vishnu, Smaranam, this is very important, the most purifying aspect. So when one is in a family, suppose one is born in a Vaishnava family, why, why is it such a purifying birth? Because in family, people talk, right? In family, we don't sit, sit around silently, you know, doing nothing. We talk. And what will be the talks of Vaishnavas about Krishna? If they are, of course, strong Vaishnavas, not like nowadays sometimes, you know, devotees not so serious. They think they are as good as Bhaktivinoda Thakur. When their family life is nothing related to devotional life sometimes, most of the time in fact. <clears throat> so not like this. So when a family, when the conversations are centered on Krishna, that will purify everything. And therefore such dynasties actually become purified by this devotional service. 
beginning with hearing and chanting. And of course, next, Tirthi Kurvanti Tirthani, Sukarmi Kurvanti Karmani, Sachastri Kurvanti Shastra. Their association makes holy places holy. Their association makes works auspicious. And their, uh, and their association makes the scriptures authoritative. Now you may say, how come scriptures become authoritative by their association? It means without their association, scriptures have no authority. Well, they have, but they do not exert such authority as strongly as they do in the company of devotees. For example, Bhagavad Gita is the supreme authority. Now, Bhagavad Gita is known to many people all over the world, even before Srila Prabhupada. But how many people actually understood the essence and actually surrendered? And when Prabhupada can, went and presented Bhagavad Gita as it is, then people woke up to spiritual consciousness. So the authority of Bhagavad Gita <clears throat> comes with the association of the devotee. Without the association, Bhagavad Gita won't have the same effect on the reader. Only when it is commented upon by a pure devotee, ah, then yes. So they make the scriptures authoritative. The faith in scriptures. How Srila Prabhupada presented the scriptures, it increases our faith in the scriptures. Otherwise, we, I was thinking at least, even though I was born in so-called Brahmin family, I was thinking our scriptures are just like uh, some super, superstitious, you know, that's the that's the um, majority understanding. I mean, major, majority of people understand scriptures like that. Oh, it's, a, it's like old people, you know, in a primitive way, they try to, you know, have some uh, kind of culture, some kind of, you know, some traditions, superstitions. That's how, that is the understanding of religion without the guidance of a pure devotee. And when you have the guidance of a pure devotee, then we will understand that religion is the most scientific way of life. Everything else is utter crap. That we will realize from the uh, association of a pure devotee. So now, in this purport, it's very nicely explained. Not Prabhupada's purport, but, you know, the point is making is made here. A Tirtha is a place made sacred because the Supreme Lord performed his pastimes there. So, um, many Tirthas are mentioned here. Devotees like to reside in Tirthas and perform their bhajan there and pilgrims seeking purification go to bathe in the sacred rivers flowing through the sacred sites. But the Tirthas become burdened by the sins of visiting pilgrims who sometimes commit new sins even while traveling on pilgrimage. In all the religions of the world, commercialism tends to spring up and pollute the famous shrines. Because of this, the Gaudiya Vaishnava Acharya Narutam Das Thakur stated that in the Kali Yuga, going on pilgrimage creates bewilderment. Actually, um, the exact words were Tirthyatra Parishram Keval Maner Brahma. Narutam Das Thakur said. Traveling to the holy places of pilgrimage is just another kind of bewilderment or you know, mental satisfaction only. Uh, why is that said? <coughs> because of course, it is, one has to go. But if you miss the point, and suppose there is association of devotees available near our place, and we don't take advantage of that and go to some distant place of pilgrimage, that is actually not a proper understanding of what a pilgrimage actually is. A pilgrimage is a place where Vaishnavas reside. That's why it is said just now. A place where Vaishnavas reside is more important than our ordinary place of pilgrimage. So, <clears throat> a 
To purify the tirthas of the influence of the non-devotees, saints occasionally visit them. In fact, it is the presence of the saints that actually makes the holy places holy. If one visits a tirtha and only does some shopping and takes a ritual bath there without inquiring from saintly person, this visit is useless. See this? When the sages said, that's why we have to go with devotees. And hear about the pastimes of the Lord while we are in Tirthyatra also. When the sages, when the sage Vidura went to the palace of the Kurus in Hastinapur, Dushan Maharaj praised him with the same words Narada uses here. Tirthi Kurvanti Tirthani. Okay. Yes, this is Bhagirat 996. Actually, here Ganga asks Bhagirat. See, Bhagirat, he invited Ganga to come down and therefore she came down. That's why she's called Bhagirathi. Now, thereafter, Mother Ganga appeared before King Bhagirath, the personality of Ganga, and said, I am very much satisfied with your austerities and I am now prepared to give you benedictions as you desire. Being thus addressed by Ganga Devi, Mother Ganga, uh, the king bowed his head before her and explained his desire. Mother Ganga replied, when I fall from the sky to the surface of the planet Earth, the water will certainly be very forceful. Who will sustain that force? If I am not sustained, I shall pierce the surface of the earth and go down to the Rasatal, the Patal area of the universe. That's the force of Ganga, actually. That's why Lord Shiva took, him, took the Ganga on his head. Ganga Tarangaramaniya Jatakalapam Gauri Nirantara Vibhushita Vamabhagam Narayana Priyamananga Madapaharam Varanasi Kurapatim Bhajavishvanatham. So, this is Vishwanath Ashtakam, written by Shankaracharya. First verse goes like this So, Ganga Taranga Ramaniya Jatakalapam. So, he has Ganga on his head, on his matted hair. So that is not that it is a fountain, you know, like in cereals we will see that some fountain is you know, falling from the head of Lord. No, it is not that his head is full of water and then, you know, water is coming out like a fountain. No, he is actually taking the force of the Ganga and the Ganga is bouncing off his head. If the Ganga was not forced, uh, stopped by the four, I mean, by the head of Lord Shiva, she would just pierce the earth and go down all the way. So such forceful water. <clears throat> then she asks, Kim chaham na bhuvam yase nara mayam rjantyagham mrijamita dagham kvaham rajam statra vichintyatam. O king, I do not wish to go down to the planet earth, for there the people in general would bathe, will bathe in my water to cleanse themselves of the reactions of their sinful deeds. Where, when all these sinful reactions accumulate in me, how shall I become free from them? You must consider this very carefully. So, then Bhagirat Vacha. Sadhavonyasi nahashanta brahmishtha loka pavanaha harantya ghamtenga sangha teshvasthehya gabhidharihi Bhagirat said, those who are saintly because of devotional service and are therefore in the renounced order, free from material desires and who are pure, pure devotees, expert in following the regulative principles mentioned in the Vedas, are always glorious and pure in behavior and are able to deliver all fallen souls. 
when such pure devotees bathe in your water, the sinful reactions accumulated from other people will certainly be counteracted. For such devotees always keep in the core of their hearts the supreme personality of Godhead who can vanquish all sinful reactions. So the pure devotees go to the holy places as if, you know, in a humble way that they are also wanting to get purified in the waters of the Ganga and similar such uh, rituals. But actually the pure devotees are going there to purify those places. Only a devotee can understand this. Ordinary people, they they get bewildered. Oh, another sadhu is coming to purify himself. No. Especially pure devotees. They don't purify the holy place. Uh, they're, they're not purified by the holy place. They purify the holy places. So going back. So yeah, we were here. So Lord Krishna therefore first allowed his family of superiors to descend on the earth, to the earth. I shall try to describe them in brief because it is not possible to describe them fully. Shri Shachi Jagannath Shri Madhava Puri Keshav Bharati Ar Shri Ishwar Puri Advaita Acharya Ar Pandit Shri Vas Acharya Ratna Vidyanidhi Thakur Haridas. Lord Sri Krishna, before appearing as Lord Chaitanya, requested these devotees to precede him. Sri Sachi Devi, Jagannath Mishra, Madhavendra Puri, Kesha Bharati, Ishwar Puri, Advaita Acharya, Srivas Pandit, Acharya Ratna Vidyanidhi, and Thakur Haridas. Sri Hattanivasi, Sri Upendra Mishra Nam, Vaishnava Pandit Dhani, Sadguna Pradhan. There was also Sri Upendra Mishra, a resident of the district of Srihatta. He was a great devotee of Lord Vishnu, a learned scholar, rich man, a reservoir of all good qualities. Purport. Upendra Mishra is described in the Gauraganadesh Deepika 35 as the Gopal named Parjanya. The same personality who was formerly the grandfather of Lord Krishna appeared as Upendra Mishra at Srihatta and begot seven sons. He was a resident of Dhaka Dakshinagram. Dhaka Dakshin Gram in the district of Srihatta. There are still many residents of that part of the country who introduce themselves as belonging to the Mishra family of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. So, Dhaka in Bangladesh. So actually, Bangladesh is a very holy place, actually. Now, of course, covered by mostly 93%, 94%, I think, maybe, maybe even more now, percent of Muslims now. But um, and I have been to Bangladesh in 2013, 10 years back. It's um, very depressing. Every few minutes you will see trucks, truckloads of cows being transported. And you know for what it is going. They are all being slaughtered. And there are actually many, many holy places in Bangladesh. It's East Bengal. In fact, it was part of the whole, you know, Gaudadesh. And Pundari Vidyanidhi's place is also in Bangladesh. And apparently, you know, here also, this uh, Upendra Mishra. So that whole thing was one um, area, very, very pious. But now it's um, no more. Of course, we can still go and visit those places. I hope they are, I think they will be maintained maybe, some of the places at least. I know because Prem Bikash Prabhu, he told me that... Um, Pundari Vidyanath, his place is very nicely maintained. And uh, similar, I think there are also other Vaishnava's places which are maintained nicely. Saptamishratara Putra Saptarishivar Rishishwar 
कंसारे परमानंद पद्मनाभ सर्वेश्वर जगन्नाथ जनार्दन त्रैलोक्यनाथ नदी आते गंगावास कोयलो जगन्नाथ उपेंद्र मिश्रा हैड सेवन सन्स ओवरऑल सेंटली एंड मोस्ट इन्फ्लुएंशियल कमसारी परमानंद पद्मनाभ सर्वेश्वर जगन्नाथ जनार्दन त्रैलोक्यनाथ जगन्नाथ मिश्रा सॉरी त्रैलोक्यनाथ जगन्नाथ मिश्रा द फिफ्थ सन डिसाइडेड टू रिजाइड ऑन द बैंक ऑफ द गंगा एट नदिया जगन्नाथ मिश्रा मिश्रवर पदवी पुरंदर नंद वसुदेव रूप सद्गुण सागर Jagannath Mishra was designated as Purandar exactly like Nand Maharaj and Vasudev he was an ocean of all good qualities Tar patni sachinam pativrata sati jar pita nilambar nama chakravarti his wife Shrimati Sachi Devi was a chaste woman highly devoted to her husband Sachi Devi's father name father's name was Nilambar and his surname was Chakravarti purport Shri Bhakti Siddhant Saraswati Thakur writes in his Anubhashya In the Gauraganadesh Deepika 104 it is mentioned that Nilambar Chakravarti was formerly Gargamuni some of the family descendants of Nilambar Chakravarti still live in the village of the name Magdoba in the district of Faridpur in Bangladesh his nephew was Jagannath Chakravarti also known as Mamu Thakur who became a disciple of Pandit Goswami and stayed at Jagannath Puri as the priest of Tota Gopinath Nilambar Chakravarti lived at Navadweep in the neighborhood of belpukuria this this fact is mentioned in the book prem vilas because he lived near the house of the kazi the kazi was also considered one of the maternal uncles of lord chaitanya mahaprabhu the kazi used to the kazi used to address nilambar chakravarti as kaka or uncle one cannot separate the residence of the kazi from um vaman pukur because the tomb of the kazi is still existing there formerly the place was known as belpukuria and now it is called vamanpukur this has been ascertained by archaeological evidence so you see this archaeological evidence <laughs> i told this many times so bhaktivinoda thakur um consulted a lot of archaeological and archaeological evidence and uh, historical and archival maps in order to ascertain the birthplace of chaitanya mahaprabhu and interviewed so many people he met he, he went on the field and actually you know did a lot of research before establishing the mayapur as the birth site of chaitanya mahaprabhu so bhakti siddhant saraswati thakur knew of all that effort that bhakti vinod thakur put and also the difficulties he went through when there was a lack of proper archaeological and historical evidence um and that led to so many confusions so in order to clear this up for the future future generations he is writing like this historical archaeological um landmarks and everything so that it's easier for the future because maybe in the future times won't be as peaceful as now maybe there will be you know a whole unrest and agitation and places may be covered again all these holy places so <clears throat> in order to again revive so this information will help see radh desh janmila thakur nityananda ganga das pandit gupta murari mukunda
in radhadesh the part of bengal where the ganga is not visible nitananda prabhu ganga das pandit murari gupta and mukunda tugbar here radhadesh refers to the village of the name ekachakra in the district of birbhum next to burdwan after the burdwan railway station there is another branch line which is called the loop line of the eastern railway and there is a railway station of the named mallarpur 8 miles east of this railway station ekachakra village is still situated ekachakra village extends extends north and south of an area of about 8 miles other villages namely veerchandrapur and veerbhadrapur are situated within the area of the village of ekachakra in honor of the holy name of veerbhadra goswami these places are renowned as veerchandrapur and veerbhadrapur uh recently our devotees went to ekachakra i have never been to ekachakra dham uh recently our devotees went on nithyananda trayodashi day packed fully packed right in the morning thousands of people at ekachakra dham so there's a beautiful temple also there and everything so <clears throat> so it's good i mean these places should be you know more and more uh visible to the general public and they have to be glorified In the Bengali year 1331, which is 1924 AD, a thunderbolt struck the temple of Ekachakra Gram. So these historical points are also mentioned here. You see, and this will this will be very useful. Maybe thousand, two thousand, three thousand years later, our movement is predicted to last for ten thousand years. Say eight thousand years later, you will have this information that in this year a thunderbolt struck. I mean, these are all. you know i i told you i think another in an earlier lecture where the history of indian um, you know the deities how they were you know how the temples were destroyed by the muslims and at that time how the deities were carried to different places and the historical records in 7th century by a traveler from china and 12th century sorry 9th century another record <clears throat> of the sun temple in multan you know in pakistan so there was a beautiful sun temple which was made of gold the deity was made of gold with jewels and then 9th century there was i think uh, the temple was destroyed or something and then 12th century there was i mean something again destruction happened at that time 13th century there was a wooden deity there so i mean there is historical records so we can actually get an idea of what happened over the generations how people were you know very determined to maintain such culture or whatever in different parts and even our deities have so many stories like this our our goswami's deities also were displaced like that because of the muslims so this happened in indian history and we cannot uh, undo that we cannot <clears throat> say that it is false and not talk about it no this is facts these are historical facts oh Um, some community will be offended maybe the muslims will be offended so we cannot say all this no 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 i mean we're not holding against anything of present muslims but this is how this what happened and we have to state the facts it's like we speak openly about the british rule right we speak openly about the british rule how oh, britishers came and did this and that you know they destroyed the indian culture same thing the muslims did same thing they did they invaded they <clears throat> and and that indoctrination is still going on even now what the vaishnavas the the sanatan dharma the kings of sanatan dharma how they defended that is all not even described and what are the traditions all not described just like it was it is projected as some some uh, forest tribal religion which you know was 
successfully replaced by some other religion like that but no <clears throat> but anyway all this historical knowledge is relevant we should know what is happening what happened with all these places of pilgrimage everything our culture everything we should know we should not be given some whitewashed sanitized version of history which is completely different from reality that serves no purpose other than to, to further atheism today the hindu population is not so serious about their religion only because of this because they don't have a very strong ideological adherence to their culture to their heritage to their knowledge to the traditions to the history they don't have um, so and so they are very loose and very you know malleable they will do anything they have no principles they don't they don't stand for anything um strongly that's how it has become because of a lack of a proper understanding of our roots <clears throat> especially of course historical knowledge is secondary but the philosophical knowledge should be absolutely at the core of it all and also historical knowledge will supplement that uh, fortify that but the philosophical knowledge the you know the theosophical uh, knowledge that is given by the acharya in the discipline succession that is at the very core that is at the very core <clears throat> and historical knowledge will give some context to that like for example oh it is mentioned that you know sati was you know such a nonsense you know women were you know like forced into the yes there were some pockets of india where this was done but it's not the majority majority sati the woman herself used to immolate herself out of her own will she was not forced yes in some parts it was forced that is definitely bad we don't deny but not that the entire thing is bad people were so chaste the women were so chaste that they did not want to live without the husband they died and that is even stated in mahabharat madri did it hmm? wife of pandu so this is and even until as late as 1700s 1800s means 19th century people still did it when the muslims were invading india and in um, some parts of i think rajputs and others even the six the you know their wives when the when the men of their family died in battle the women killed themselves immolated themselves why because they did not want to be touched by any other man because they knew the invaders will certainly come and rape them they will be violated they will be this thing no we don't want any life we don't want to be touched by any other man we rather die than be touched by another man so that is the chastity of the woman at that point even until 19th century this happened and not just one woman isolated cases no many men many women were like that especially in the warrior class of families the rajputs the the shivajis you know the the marathas all these you know and others maybe i don't even know many because we were we were treated to a whitewashed completely nonsense version of history of our country so this is uh, this is a fact these are facts <clears throat> so anyway this is some historical context in the bengali year i mean 1331 which is 1924 a thunderbolt struck the temple of ekachakra gram 
yeah padmavati i think that movie is there some padmavati of course there was some masala also added but yeah so i do not know even padmavati story i do not know um so many stories we do not know i have not fully read i have heard just very just of it there are many such women uh, who actually out of their own chastity did that so there was a lot of bravery and a lot of devotion to the lord which translates to bravery because why do they want to lay down their lives risk everything to preserve the culture i mean how the devotion is you know inspiring they prepare to do anything for you know keeping the devotion intact so that is how we should be um, that is how we should be we should not be ah, okay this one okay that one okay i'll just give in i'll just give in everything i'll just give in i was saying i mean <clears throat> um today morning i was saying i just found out two days ago i think yesterday maybe yeah yesterday that in singapore i actually do not know maybe i am just you know ignorant i am ignorant certainly um but i did not know that there was just one institution of marriage in singapore because i knew that there was a registrar of marriages rom that you can you have to register your marriage there and you know to prove that your husband and wife and all housing and everything all those things you know depend on that but i did not know there was another registry called the registry of muslim marriages there the rules are totally different here in the registry of marriages the um the age is 18 after 18 you can get married but in the registry of muslim marriages after puberty they can get married and of course even in our sanatan dharma culture that was the that was the culture after puberty the girl is given for marriage i mean if even in our own families our grandmother great grandmother they married at very young age in their teens and it is not a backward sign at all what is backward is what is happening today where the women are given a false hope of career and this and that and then they end up not marrying or they end up in so many relationships in their you know in their early years in their teens they start to experiment with boys and the boys start to experiment with girls and they check out so many partners and in this way they you know fidelity the chastity everything is gone and the men also become of horrible characters and everything is the society is falling apart because it is not properly done 18 the the age 18 men of course the law is like that in most parts of the world but actually if you see naturally naturally the woman gets puberty at maybe 11 12 and for what does she get puberty if if god's arrangement is that she gets puberty at that point for what right so god has made a certain arrangement 18 is an arbitrary number just because the english education system finishes at 10th class 11th and 12th class 2 you know and you know that is age of 18 so it is a man made thing 18 from where did they get 18 why 18 is the woman really because sometimes they say oh you know when she's younger you know she's not mature so is she mature at 18 do you think a boy or a girl is actually mature at 18 not really i don't think so they don't have they don't know any they don't have proper idea of life but if they are trained in their childhood to to lead and in religious way 
the boy is you know from from 5 years old he's trained in krishna consciousness then he is quite mature at the age of 18 and even 20 and 25 you know he becomes very mature and the girl also in, when she's trained by the mother in household affairs and also in religious affairs in chanting you know and krishna's you know stories and philosophy in this way she also becomes mature so that way there is proper maturity but if and also by by engaging in household life the woman gets actually a lot of education there itself in fact that is what will you know take her to the next stage of life of motherhood where she can actually bring forth you know um good population in this world so that system is unfortunately replaced today by a very artificial system which has no basis in biology no basis in uh, religion no basis in nothing i mean just arbitrary you know whimsical um age you know whatever you know whimsical and then everything is falling apart i mean the, the society is falling apart let's be honest it's not actually improving hmm. the idea of a family what is actually the aim of life nate vidu swarthagatam vishnu durashayaya bahirarthamanina you know they don't know what is the aim of life so anyway um there are many things that needs to be properly revisited out of a, i mean very objectively we have to revisit for us it's very clear from religious point of view but people i mean the law makers the policy makers they need to revisit we don't have to revisit we we already know it's quite clear for us but policy makers they are they having their own ideologies having their own plans <clears throat> so anyway coming back to the point um so 1924 the thunderbolt struck at the temple of ekachakra gram therefore the temple is now in a broken state well when he says now i think when prabhupada was writing it or whether this is yeah but now i think maybe not because i think it was renovated because our devotees went there i don't know if it's the same place or another place in the same uh, ekachakra gram so now um within the temple there is a deity of shri krishna established by shri nityananda prabhu the name of the deity is bankim rai or banka rai on bankim rai's right side is a deity of janava and on his left side is shrimati radharani the priests of the temple described that lord nityananda prabhu entered within the body of bankim rai and that the deity of janava mata was therefore later placed on the right side of bankim rai afterwards many other deities were installed within the temple on another throne within the temple are deities of muralidhar and radha madhav on another throne are deities of manomohan vrindavan chandra and gaurnitai but bankim rai is the deity originally installed by nityananda prabhu on the eastern side of the temple is a is a ghat known as kadamba khandi on the bank of a river called the yamuna and it is said that the deity of bankimrai was floating in the water and lord nityananda prabhu picked him up and then installed him in the temple thereafter in a place known as bhaddapur in the village of virachandrapur about half a mile west in a place underneath a neem tree shrimati radharani was found for this reason the radharani of bankimrai was known as bhaddapurer thakurani the mistress of bhaddapur on another throne on the right side of bankim rai is the deity of yogamaya 
now the temple and temple corridor rest on a high plinth and on a concrete structure in front of uh, of the temple is a and on the concrete structure in front of the temple is a kirtan hall it is also said that on the northern side of the temple there was a deity of lord shiva named bhandishwar and then the father of nitanna prabhu hadai pandit used to worship that deity at present however the bhandishwar deity is missing and in his place a jagannath swami deity has been installed lord nitanna prabhu did did not actually construct any temples the temple was constructed at a, at the time of virbhadrapur in the bengali year 1298 which is 1891 ad a brahmachari of the name shivananda swami repaired the temple for it had become dilapidated interesting i think is this the same same shivananda swami who is uh, the mayavadi i don't know because there is a famous shivananda swami who is a brahmachari and all that i don't know if he is the one in this temple um there is an arrangement to offer food to the deity on the basis of 17 seers seers about 34 pounds of rice and necessary vegetables the present priestly order of the temple belongs to the family of gopi gopijana vallabhananda one of the branches of nityananda prabhu there is a land settlement in the name of the temple and income from this land finances the expenditures for the temple okay let me actually talk about this because there is <clears throat> there is a land settlement in the name of the temple and income from this land finances the expenditures for the temple now let me speak about this because this is something i found out also recently that in india in bharat the hindu temples the funds are managed by the government and they go entirely to the government if you go to tirupati many people put in the hundi you know as a donation crores and crores of rupees now they are thinking <clears throat> they are giving to balaji you know but actually the money is going to the government and very little is actually used for you know just upkeep of the place yes the roads are nice in tirupati and everything you know some ttd ashram is there guest house something you know and some of the things but honestly the amount of money that comes to tirupati temple can fund so many sanatan dharma projects in bharat and abroad now we have a temple building project here if tirupati had a sanatan dharma prachar kind of uh, mission i mean they do have something in name but nothing goes on who is who knows any preacher from tirupati nobody no there's no real preaching going on in the name sake there is some th- something like that but nothing is going on but if such funds are actually diverted or you know distributed to temple projects like this and let me tell you christianity islam they have funding coming from their source countries which are the middle east and you know even highly christianized states like america or you know britain or something like that but here our sanatan dharma nothing so here you see how the temple gets its finances so they have properties and they get even in singapore the perumal temple the vishnu temple here um, they have properties and other temples also have properties here and the rental from that and all that fun- funds the temple 
and that is the process even jagannath puri so much land belongs to the temple but actually i think much of it is taken away now or something like that um you know there's a lot of uh, thing going on in india in bharat now um like recently there was this case in tamil nadu where a whole village is now the property of the waqf board which is the muslim body and they can take land at will wherever if they think that it is their land it is their land not even the supreme court can change that decision i mean they have such sweeping rules for them i don't know how they got introduced in the constitution in 1995 first in 1954 and then in 1995 if you do not know what i'm talking about you should search up look up what is the waqf act 1995 w a q f act w a q f waqf act 1995 you go and see and you will be alarmed at what is going on so in that case there was this whole village whole town is property of the waqf board including including a temple which is like 1500 years old that is also part of the and where their whole religion did not start at that point when the temple was existing their whole religion did not start at that time and now they claim the temple the whole property is theirs so i mean there is no um i mean even hindus are not i don't know, they used to be very you know they used to take care of the deities and all that but somehow or other the temples have gone to the hands of the government and nothing the, the sanatan dharma follows they don't fo- they don't have any control over the temple finances even in, on the board of the tirupati the christians uh, the, the the christians are sitting there muslim is sitting there how can how can this be possible in any other religion but you know we 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 um, are so callous towards our own sanatan dharma we just we don't think much you know many people they they argue with us you know when i did that gaurgopal video when i said you know gaurgopal says bhagavad gita is not a religious book and i actually severely criticized that in the video that it is a religious book and they some hindus so called hindus they come and argue with me saying that dharma dharma is not religion it is a way of life hello sir what is the definition of religion then it is a way of life religion is a way of life what do you mean what is what do you, what do you mean by saying that it is not religion it is a way of life religion is the way of life defined by god vivaha right it is a way of life marriage where is it coming from religion huh? what are the rituals and what how we should even work what kind of a work we should do that is also way of life that is also spelled out in religious books in our bhagavad gita and our manusmriti and all these things so how can you say that religion and way of life are two separate things religion is the way of life defined by god for us ordained by god and a way of life which we have whimsically created that is non religious life it is stupid to to distinguish both of them that religion and way of life are something two different things religion is just the ritual portion of the where you go to the temple and you know join your hands and in supplication and you know bow down and do some yagyas that is religion and my work and my play and my all these family affairs this is my way of life that is crap okay every what is that <clears throat> arjuna's way of life was kshatriya 
but bhagavad gita was spoken on the battlefield it was not spoken in a temple classroom no it was spoken on a battlefield and that was the way of life for arjuna right he was a warrior and that way of life had to be dovetailed in the service of krishna that is the point of what religion is it is a way of life ordained by god hmm. what is that dharmam tu sakshat bhagavat pranitam <clears throat> so people i mean the, the hindus are just the most confused lot and in fact they are becoming the most atheistic lot and all this is because of a lack of proper education in religion in our scriptures if you really understand then you will see the scientific basis of this whole religion and then you will start to appreciate what this is all about and how even temples should, should be run temples should be run like even big big um educational institution univer- universities they have funding hedge funds you know so many funding is go- going on for universities temple is a university of spiritual science and why it should not be funded why it should be treated as or oh, religion is uh, you know a portion of life which has to be managed somehow and you know keep those high emotions at bay at, you know manage those emotions of people that is how it is treated as it is treated as a problem from the past that we have to somehow manage and sweep it under the carpet as much as possible without hurting the sentiments and hopefully with the education system that we have with the work culture that we have with the economic focus that we have hopefully in 200 years time maybe there will be no trace of religion and then we will have actual peace all that ghost of the past which is religion in in their terms will be finished and now we can actually focus on real growth and modernity and all this forward progressive um outlook of life so this is the viewpoint of these rascals where <laughs> on the other hand i mean um in con- on the contrary that is exactly what is destroying this whole world and to see religion as a problem is the primary problem religion is actually the solution but misunderstanding of religion misrepresentation of religion yes is a big problem but because they have only the view of the misrepresented religion uh, misrepresentation of religion <clears throat> therefore there is so much apprehension towards religion we have to therefore show that how relevant religion actually is in our daily way of life like uh, i'm as i'm doing this class i mean a video on the abortion which is taking forever to come out i know um <clears throat> in that also palki sharma that you know news anchor who made that video for abortion so she was saying what right do religious leaders have to dictate motherhood in dictating motherhood what right do they have that just shows how little of a knowledge she has on how much religion is important in every aspect of our life not as, not just motherhood childhood adulthood responsibility the spiritual everything not only that even government policies everything should be based on religion nothing should be without religion so they don't understand how much religion is actually the central the, the focal point of the whole you know civilization otherwise we're just animals so anyway i just want to touch upon that because the land settlement here you know the income the temple gets the income 
so that's how it should be and there and then if if such funding is going on then the people of the temple the committee of the temple they can actually focus on missionary activities funding you go and see in christianity and islam how they should set up missionaries in different parts of the world the first thing the the seminaries the, the schools and everything and then the finances the uh, th there is actually a whole process they have uh, laid out how one must even try to influence the policies of that place the governmental policies how one should infiltrate the you know government and actually put policies in place for muslims and if possible eventually overtake and put sharia law for muslim and even our current law what is called as common law commonwealth law that is coming from the british it has its root in Christi roots in christianity you can go and see I, I i have access to some books some historical books i have purchased just to have historical knowledge of what is what how things panned out over time on the british occupation of india um and there <clears throat> they came as of course a, a company doing business with india but also actually according to their religion christianity they cannot trade with um what is that pagans or heathens those who are against the religion or in muslim islam they call them kafir or infidels so they are not supposed to trade with infidels so therefore although they came for trade the missionaries also came in that and they wanted to convert people in in bharat into christianity so that eventually they will have trade not with so called infidels and people of faith and they thought in, in bharat was a country of full of some tribal faiths and all that you know some stones and some you know idolatry and all that so this is their understanding of religion of in indian religion and therefore they they had missionaries right from the beginning so christianity also had such intentions when they came here islam muslims also had such intentions when they came but you know over time the so called hindus with the fall of the brahmanical culture they have lost all the potency and then they almost gave in entirely only traces or remnants or the bones skeletons of real religion exist today in bharat so that has to be revived that is what our movement is all about and even hindus in india don't really recognize our movement as such they think it is one section of hinduism vaishnavism that is one one part of hinduism we have many other parts that is how they understand <clears throat> So anyway there are three parties of priestly goswamis who take charge of the temple management one after another this is how it should be temple should be run by the temp by the people who are followers of that sampradaya not by some government officer who doesn't know anything about anything a few steps from the temple is a place known as vishram vishram tala where it is said that nithyananda prabhu in his childhood used to enjoy sporting with his boyfriends by enacting the raslila and, and various other pastimes of vrindavan near the temple is a place named amlitala or imlitala which is so named because of a big tamarind tree there 
according to a party named the nedadi sampradaya virbhadra prabhu with the assistance of 1200 nedas or buddhist monks neda means actually bald headed people माथा नेडा कपने परा तिलक नाके गलाय माला देखते वैष्णव एरु मता असल शक्त गाजर बेला सहज भजन करछन मामू संग लय परेर वाला तो दिस इज अ सॉन्ग बाय भक्तिगुण ठाकुर अबाउट कलीचेला द सो कॉल्ड वैष्णवस हु ओनली ड्रेस लाइक वैष्णवस बट दे हैव इलिसिट अफेयर्स गोइंग ऑन एंड अदर मेटेरियलिस्टिक प्रोपेंसिटीज गोइंग ऑन सो देयर इट सेज माथा नेडा माथा मींस यू नो हेड नेडा मींस shaven head so here neda the sampradaya means buddhist monks because they are always bald you know completely bald without even a shikha 1200 nedas virabhadra prabhu with the assistance of 1200 nedas dug a great lake of the name shwet ganga outside of the temple are tombs of the goswamis and there is a small river known as the maudeshwar which is called the water of yamuna Within half a mile from this small river is the birthplace of Sri Nityananda Prabhu. It appears that there was a big kirtan hall in front of the temple, but later it became dilapidated. It is now covered by banyan trees. Later on, the temple was constructed within which Gaur Nityananda deities are existing. The temple was constructed by the late Prasanna Kumar Kar Kar Farma. A tablet. was installed in his memory in the bengal bengali year 1323 or 1916 ad in the month of vaishakha april may so this tablet you know like you know this is also important the person when he is living he will think that, oh i don't want any recognition or some people will want recognition but actually it will be historical knowledge historical reference it will be a great very great historical reference the place where nityananda prabhu appeared is called garbhavas There is an allotment of about forty-three bighas, or fourteen acres of land, to continue the worship in a temple there. The Maharaj of Dinajpur donated twenty bighas of land, about six and a half acres, in this connection. It is it is said that near the place known as Garbhavas, Hadai Pandit conducted a primary school. The priests of this place, listed in a genealogical table, were as follows. You see, genealogical table is given here. Now we may say, hey, why this is necessary? This all. as i said historical references as much as history is recorded that much is good for us recording is always good <clears throat> so in the genealogical table the priests of this place are listed as follows shri raghav chandra jagadananda das krishnadas nityananda das ramdas vrajmohan das kanaidas gauradas shivanand das and haridas krishnanand belonged to the chidya kunja at vrindavan the date of his disappearance as krishna janmashtami chidya kunja is a place now managed by the goswamis of goswamis of shringar ghat in vrindavan they are also known as belonging to the nityananda family most probably on the basis of their relationship with krishna das near garbhavas is a place called bakultal bakultala where Sri Nityananda Prabhu and his boyfriends used to take part in sporting activities known as jhal jhapeta jhal jhapeta jhal means swing right maybe swing swing past time so what i don't know 
Jhal Chapeta. There is a bakul tree there that is wonderful because all its branches and sub branches look like the hoods of serpents. It has been suggested that by the desire of Sri Nityananda Prabhu, hoods of serpents like Ananta Seshusan. Interesting. Hmm. It has been suggested that by the desire of Sri Nityananda Prabhu, Ananta Dev manifested himself in that way. Oh, actually, Ananta Dev. Okay. <laughs> so this is interesting. The tree is very old. It is said that formerly it had two trunks, but later on when the playmates of Nityananda Prabhu felt inconvenience in jumping from the branches of one trunk to those of the other, Nityananda Prabhu by his mercy merged the two trunks into one. Another place nearby is named Hantugada. It is said that Lord Nityananda Prabhu brought all the holy places there. Therefore, the people in the surrounding villages go there instead of to the Ganga to take bath. It is named Hantugada because Sri Nityananda Prabhu used to perform the Dadhi, dadhi Chida or Chida Dadhi, Chida Dadhi or Chida Dahi. Dadhi Chida festival of distributing chipped rice with yogurt prasadam there and he took the prasadam kneeling down. Kneeling down, Hantugada. A sanctified lake in this place is always full of water throughout the year. A great fair is held there during Goshtashtami. And there is another big fair on the birthday of Sri Nityananda Prabhu. Okay. In the Gauraganadesh Deepika 58 through 63, it is described that Halayudha, Baladeva, Vishwarupa, and Sankarshan appeared as Nityananda Avadhut. Asankhya Bhaktera. Karaila avatar, Sheshe avatirna hoila, Vrajendra Kumar. Lord Krishna, Vrajendra Kumar first caused countless devotees to appear and at last he appeared himself. Prabhura avir bhava purve jata, Prabhura avir bhava purve jata, Vaishnavagan, Advaita acharya, Sthane karena gaman. Before the appearance of Lord Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, all the devotees of Navadvip used to gather in the house of Advaita Acharya. Gita, Gita Bhagavata Kohe Acharya Gosai Jnana Karma Nindikore Bhakti Rabadai. In these meetings of the Vaishnavas, Advaita Acharya used to recite the Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam, decrying the paths of philosophical speculation and fruitive activity, and establishing the super excellence of devotional service. Sarva Shastra Gohe Krishna Bhaktira Vyakhyan Jnana Yoga Tapo Dharma Nahimanyan. In all the revealed scriptures of Vedic culture, devotional service to Lord Krishna is explained throughout. Therefore, devotees of Lord Krishna do not recognize the processes of philosophical speculation, mystic yoga, unnecessary austerity, and so called religious rituals. They do not accept any process but devotional service. Purport Our Krishna consciousness movement, movement follows this principle. We do not recognize any method for spiritual realization other than Krishna consciousness or devotional service. Sometimes we are criticized by groups following jnana, yoga, tapas or dharma, but fortunately we are unable to make any compromises with them. We simply stand on the platform of devotional service and preach the same principles all over the world. Now, some, nowadays in, in ISKCON, sometimes these yoga, yoga clubs are going on and uh, some speculation going on. Talking about mundane philosophy and even 
so called motivational talk unnecessary austerity well necessary austerity is also not done engaging in illicit sex and all um and so called religious rituals yeah sometimes demigod worship is slowly being introduced i have seen the other day um some um, gbc resolution or a suggestion for gbc resolution or something like that i think uh, malati or urmila mataji or somebody they were trying to say that you see lord shiva is a param vaishnava we should observe shivaratri and we should have um, maybe even worship of shiva arati you know we should always worship devotees so he is the greatest devotee why should we not worship him so such thing is coming in so eventually uh, all kinds of contamination will come in um, of course lord shiva is a param vaishnava but we cannot introduce something that is not introduced by our acharya because we know where it will lead us to the slippery slope it will lead us to demigod worship and with that comes the fall of all our vaishnava tradition <coughs> while we respect lord shiva as the greatest devotee and we seek his blessings and seek his um you know mercy in our progressive devotional service and devotional life we can't establish such archa vigraha murti and then worship especially in our sampradaya especially when shri prabhupada did not want us to do so so therefore we should follow this principle and this yoga and all these things not needed in our thing we don't need to, we don't need to promote Uh, all these things tar sange anand kare vaishnavera gan krishna katha krishna puja nama sankirtan in the house of advaita acharya all the vaishnavas took pleasure in always talking of krishna always worshiping krishna and always chanting the hare krishna maha mantra uh, purport on these principles only does the krishna consciousness movement go on we have no business other than to talk of krishna worship krishna and chant the krishna hare krishna maha mantra किंतु सर्वलोक देखी कृष्ण बहिर्मुख विषय निमग्न लोक देखी पाय दुख बट श्री अद्वैताचार्य प्रभु फेल्ट पेन्ड टू सी ऑल द पीपल विदाउट कृष्ण कॉन्शियसनेस सिंपली मर्जिंग इन सेंस मेटीरियल सेंस एंजॉयमेंट पर्पोर्ट अ बोनोफाइड डिवोटी ऑफ लॉर्ड कृष्ण इज ऑलवेज पेन्ड टू सी द फॉलोइंग कंडीशन ऑफ द होल वर्ल्ड श्री भक्त सिद्धांत सरस्वती ठाकुर यूज टू से देयर इज नो स्कैसिटी ऑफ एनीथिंग इन विद इन दिस वर्ल्ड द ओनली स्कैसिटी इज ऑफ कृष्ण कॉन्शियसनेस that is the vision of all pure devotees because of this lack of krishna consciousness is human in human society people are suffering terribly being merged in an ocean of nations and sense gratification a devotee onlooker is very much aggrieved at uh, aggrieved to see such a situation in the world so this is how we should look at the world we should be aggrieved we should be taking compassion and we should take all kinds of steps to counteract that not that so much so many times i mean vast majority of devotees they just try to adjust with the material world okay just you know live somehow and chant hare krishna and don't be such a pacifist you know of course i'm not saying war but have a missionary spirit uh, we we must have a missionary spirit and that missionary spirit comes from a deep feeling inside that there is everything wrong with this world the way it is going currently everything is wrong okay in the sense that people are not religious and that has to be rectified for their own good and for our own good 
we should not be accepting their indoctrination actually we do not even realize how much we are indoctrinated we are actually blind to how much indoctrination we are under the influence of we think we don't even think twice when we do certain things like i see many devotees when they come to the temple they dress as devotees when they when they not going in the temple when they go outside maybe to buy something in the mall or something like that they were karmikas why why i don't understand why it should be like that huh? we should uh, we should really be proud to flaunt our culture we should flaunt our culture why why should i take camouflage in the materialistic culture why why should i be a chameleon that means i don't have enough pride in my own thing i want to be accepted in the world i want to be like one of them this has to come out devotees have to come out of this devotees have to come out of this we have to be proud wearing our own dress even that we cannot do then what are we here for then how are we going to you know preach and how are we going to push on this missionary activity if we don't have faith in our own thing you know i think one christian saint uh, augustine some i don't know who uh, he said like this if the world is against the truth then i am i am against the world that is how we should be in essence that is a very simple statement that means i am for the truth but what happens is we may stand for certain values but if the world is against that we are not bold enough to actually stand for our values in the face of adversity we crumble and that's a sign of lack of strength in this statement of that christian saint if the world is against the truth then i am against the world so i don't care what the world thinks because people want safety in numbers safety in numbers means or oh, if many people are like that if i am also like that then you know i am safe i am not like standing out but our religion is outstanding religion we have to stand out <laughs> it's an outstanding religion i mean it's the, it's the highest the culture the knowledge everything is the highest especially in gaudiya vaishnavism there's nothing comparable not even close so why why when we are of such lofty culture and lofty sampradaya lofty knowledge we have the path back to godhead and we are not proud of it when we have the answers to the whole world we are not proud of it why hmm. <clears throat> so we have to rethink so th- that is because we are colonized we are still colonized we are still under the influence of you know colonial mentality <clears throat> we have to dress like the westerners why why can't we be the trend setters let's be the trend setters prabhupad went to america changed their clothes and brought, brought them back to india and then indians changed their clothes looking at the westerners i mean is that required <laughs> but <laughs> but you see the power of prabhupad that's what we should do we should change them according to the vedic view point not we change our thing 
Hmm. Ours is the highest. We should not bend. Of course, as a matter of tact, tactfully we may do something, but we cannot bend our culture entirely. We have to bring them. So, um, one um, Supreme Court, um, Indian Indian Supreme Court advocate in the Indian Supreme Court, he was telling that one day, and this was recently, I mean, just like maybe in this last one or two years, one day this young man, <clears throat> lawyer, he came to the Supreme Court in Dhoti and, you know, kurta and, you know, that um, like a sleeveless kind of overcoat on the kurta, kind of that. So he was wearing that, he wore that and came to the court and it, it was in India, in Bharat. And all the people were looking at him like he's a strange creature from another planet. If the same thing, and this lawyer says, he, if the same thing he would have done in a UK court, they will celebrate it as cultural diversity. In India, it is like frowned upon and given weird looks and, oh, come on, what is wrong with you? That kind of look. So, <laughs> so it just shows hmm, how much we're indoctrinated. It is entrenched in our consciousness. <clears throat> so a devotee onlooker is very much aggrieved. We are not carried away by the, oh, technological advancement. Oh, nowadays uh, Indians are very proud of the technological advancement um, and infrastructure projects that are going on in India. Uh, whatever. In the eyes of Western advancement. Let me tell you this. It may be uncomfortable for many Hindus that may, they may not even like me because I'm English or whatever. This so-called advancement is unsustainable. Advancement based on capitalism is unsustainable. Capitalism is a Western worldview that is based on exploitation. They, call, they show it as if it's virtuous, show it as if it's meritorious, like, oh, capitalism, you know, we have to make profits out of, you know, what is capitalism? Making profits. That is capitalism. To make money, profit. And to make profit, and you see even the KPIs, the key performance indices, how to judge whether a country or a person or a community or whatever is advancing. The only thing that is measured is the finances. So if so much stress is based uh, is put on finances as the goal for advancement, and if you see on magazine covers, who are the most successful people? Oh, the Forbes 500, the Forbes 100, the 50 richest men in the world. These kinds of things are shown as success. Those who have made it financially. So this is capitalist propaganda. We should not be believing that they're actually successful. They're not successful. And sportsmen like cricketers, you know, football, they're given undue respect as if they're gods. What are they doing? They're just, you know, hitting a ball with a bat or, you know, kicking the ball with a leg. Just see that how much actual contribution are they making to the world? How much are they actually helping the world by doing that? Is this whimsical fanfare? There's no meaning to that actually. It's just entertainment. M movie actors given so much. Oh, v VIPs, VVIPs, fan club, this, that, security and all that. We are, and we become 
um, we we think we are forced to think that oh they are the most important people they are uh, upper echelons of society they are not they are hyped up fools that's it that's what they are um, if such entertainers like previously there used to be entertainers in vedic culture the brahmanas are the highest the kshatriyas then kshatriyas they revere the brahmanas they take counsel from the brahmanas the sages and then they used they used to be entertainers yes dancers dramatists and actors they used to be but what do they used to do they used to depict the pastimes of the lord and that will help then yes they are very good but still the brahmanas are the topmost those who guide the society they are the topmost and everything else falls on that so when the kpis are changed then we will know who is actually the so if you whimsically put a certain kpi what is a kpi key performance index what is the measurable thing that measures some advancement of something now because we have put money as the index of advancement therefore those who make more more money are considered as successful they are more advanced such countries are more advanced so if we say that god consciousness is the kpi how much people are god conscious krishna conscious and how much it is translating to their um way of life how much are they peaceful how much are they compassionate how much are they having the legs of religion the compassion the truthfulness the mercy i mean compassion much is same thing cleanliness austerity these are the symptoms by which the society should be judged like you see you go to the airports you are discriminated against there is an economy class there is a business class there is a first class why don't they say first class second class third class why they say first class business class economy class they want you to feel good i'm a first class suppose i don't have that much money well oh, business class doing business i'm work, work purposes and i am businessman suit boot and all that and if i don't have even that money i would go on economy class well oh, i'm economical i'm very you know um, what is that um what is that uh, i am very judicious about my spending of my money i am very economical yeah i am economic i am you know i don't waste much money so they make you feel good but actually in their eyes you are a third class customer if you are sitting in the economy class the first class is actually the first class for them because that gives them more money business class is a second class guy but if you call him second class you will get angry so it's a business class if he calls you third class you will get super angry you will protest in the airport so therefore they will call you economy class make you feel good euphemism this is called euphemism make you feel good but treat you like crap so anyway <clears throat> so first class second class of course classes should always be there even in religious aspect there is classes first class second class third class fourth class man and fifth class man antyajas but here when we see when we look at fourth class or fifth class or whatever we are not actually discriminating we want to help them how to make them first class make as many people climb this ladder of class uh, from you know just like capitalism is all about you know encouraging you to make more money and then become first class so here also there is encouragement how to elevate religiously and make him first class vaishnav so when you have a country whose index is based on religious advancement then yes you will have the true picture of the world actually who is first class who is second class who is third class who is 10th class you will know 
so don't buy in to this commercial or capitalist agenda and propaganda which is so solidly set up that not only are they giving you you know inspiration about the, you know giving these famous and rich and famous people as the people who are successful but also they have laid it's not just based on inspiration oh become inspired by them and you also become like that no no they put a system in place where you can't get a job if you don't have a degree it doesn't matter whether your degree is connected with the job or not it doesn't matter you can have mechanical degree and you can be a computer programmer in a company if you can do that you have to have degree so why should the company or even countries not only the company sometimes country like in singapore if an indian has to come here and work under an employment pass so he has to have a degree no matter in what discipline but he has to have a degree if he doesn't have a degree he cannot get employment pass he can get work pass which is like a equal equivalent to the construction workers and it's not it's a blue blue collar job compare um, as opposed to a white collar job so white collar blue collar all these are classes basically even colors but actually is first second third class these kind of things so all based on money and your education system is geared how are you educated in in you are educated so that by the time your education is finished you are a slave to the corporate to the uh, this uh, capitalist machinery and <clears throat> so and it's based on exploitation if if profits are the only thing that matter in a capitalist economy in a capitalist country then you have to compete with others who also make profit of the same product or service how do you do that reduce your costs and that would mean cheaper employment going to countries where you can get cheaper employment what does that mean precisely that is exploitation why apple has factories in china and now maybe moving to india sometime vietnam bangladesh textiles industry huge in bangladesh manufacturing why because they can get cheap labor and then they can have higher profits so when you are getting cheap labor that means you are exploiting them the same job in america will you know yield a lot more but in bangladesh a lot less so why the disparity if in america certain population are paid less for the same job and certain population more there will be a riot but because it's different countries they this country people they can't see what's happening in america and they, okay they are just concerned about their own country their own situation so they don't they don't really fight for it and in that way exploitation happens so when you're talking about capitalist oh we are india is developing on all fronts digital this and that we are only concerned about okay we are not saying don't develop that yes it is good like now we are having live streams we are having internet connections which is good when it is used for dharmic uses when it is used for krishna consciousness yes so that should be the focus everything else should be a um even other advancement we are not saying don't advance or what advance but don't do it to, to a point where it becomes unsustainable i'll give you another example okay let's finish let me finish this so if only those infrastructure projects are touted as example for advancement 
we are missing the point our culture our religion krishna consciousness should be developed should be more and more prominent that is a sign of advancement india should export bharat should export its culture its religion krishna consciousness that is what and prabhupar did that already we should continue doing that everywhere uh, that is real product of india of bharat <clears throat> um another point recently i was uh, looking at this um the agriculture systems based on capitalism where industrial farming takes over the traditional farming methods and machinery pesticides all these things and now since 1960s india has taken up in a big way agriculture you know, using so con western modern methods of you know pesticides and all these things and now the land is just becoming dead it's almost dead in many many parts of india and eventually we will not have enough bharat will not have enough food supply from their own country and kaliyuga also it is said that eventually there will be no more rice no more wheat no more water even how these things will happen because of this kind of measures and we are thinking in short term gains um we are not looking at the long term picture why did bharat did not have these sophisticated machinery for agriculture and all that not because they were primitive they knew very well the consequences of artificial ways and they only looked for natural not looked for the vedas the vedic literature the arthashastra dharmashastra they already have all the systems in place how we should live in harmony with the natural laws set up by krishna and advance our devotional life don't make it too complicated why do you need millions of dollars and hundreds of cars why do you need stay in the you know kamasanendra priti just be just have sufficient for living to stay alive and then after that the rest of life is used for self realization that should be the thing if we just focus inordinately or disproportionately on economic development we will miss the whole point and we will we will become worse than the western countries worse than them so we cannot just focus on that no that is not it is unsustainable capitalist agenda is unsustainable it will not last or it will not stand the test of time our system is actually the way as it is as it is said there is no there is enough for man's need but not enough for man's greed in this world so krishna has provided everything they are saying now overpopulation overpopulation is in this no 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 the population that is there is greedy as hell and therefore it is becoming a problem it is the greed that is a problem it's not the population that is a problem it's the greed of the population that is a problem so how the greed can be reduced by krishna consciousness there is enough supply for however much we don't have to take to abortion or to uh, to control the now there is a population bill that is coming up you know in um, um in india they're trying to say that you know if uh, you should have if if you have more than two children then you know you will not have certain economic or certain social benefits so they're discouraging more than two children what will that lead to abortion india is now most, the most populous country in the world that is not a problem actually that should not be a problem it is easy to say that is a problem but it is only a problem because of our mismanaged way of running the government of running the country if you run it in the, according to the way that is described in the vedas 
so much more population can be um sustained in this in, in india and also in the world um, so we have to understand all of this so a devotee onlooker is very much aggrieved to see such a situation in the world and what was advaita acharya aggrieved at people were interested in karmakanda they were actually doing religious rituals but karmakanda and he was feeling compassion now they are not even doing that how much more we should feel uh, but are we feeling like that or are we feeling okay i am in a comfortable society i have a work i have some colleagues who are also friends or i have some you know i'm going to university and yeah i'm also chanting on the side and i'm also this and that i am not feeling anything that means <clears throat> okay what is the time okay i think i'll stop it here or should i just finish this part okay i'll just finish until this part loker nistar hetu karena chintan kemate esabo loker hoi betaran seeing the condition of the world he began to think seriously of how all these people could be delivered from the clutches of maya कृष्ण अवतरी करेन भक्तिर विस्तार तबे तो सकल लोकेर होई बेनस्तार श्रीलद्वेताचार्य प्रभु थॉट इफ कृष्ण हिमसेल्फ अपीयर्स इन ऑर्डर टू डिस्ट्रीब्यूट द कल्ट ऑफ डिवोशनल सर्विस देन ओनली विल लिबरेशन बी पॉसिबल फॉर ऑल पीपल परपोर्ट जस्ट एज अ कंडेम्ड पर्सन कैन बी रिलीव्ड बाय अ स्पेशल फेवर ऑफ द चीफ एग्जीक्यूटिव हेड द प्रेसिडेंट ऑफ द किंग सो द कंडेम्ड पीपल ऑफ दिस कलयुग कैन बी डिलीवर्ड ओनली बाय द सुप्रीम पर्सनालिटी ऑफ गॉड हिमसेल्फ और अ पर्सन स्पेशली एंपावर्ड फॉर दिस पर्पस Sri Advaita Acharya Prabhu desired that the Supreme Personality of Godhead advent himself to deliver the fallen souls of this age. Krishna avatari te acharya pratigna koriya. Krishna puja kore tulsi ganga jal diya. With this consideration, Advaita Acharya Prabhu, promising to cause Lord Krishna to descend. began to worship the supreme personality of god krishna with tulsi leaves and the water of the ganga ganges purport tulsi leaves and ganga water with if possible a little pulp of sandalwood is sufficient paraphernalia to worship the supreme personality of god the lord says in bhagavad gita 926 patram pushpam phalam toyam yome bhaktya prayachhati tadaham bhaktyu pahritam asnami prayatatmanah if one offers me with love and devotion leaf flower fruit and water i will accept it following this principle principle advaita advaita prabhu pleased the supreme personality of godhead with tulsi leaves and water of the ganga krishna rahwana kores saghana hunkar hunkareya akrishta hoila vrajendra kumar by loud cries he invited krishna to appear and this repeated invitation attracted lord krishna to descend so similarly if we repeatedly chant the hari krishna mantra krishna will descend of course he is already descended in the form of the holy name then we can actually perceive his descent okay from here we will continue in the next class okay so until 71 we have finished okay so any questions or comments i'll just go through i think Jai Shri Ram again all kind of things will do today
బంగ్లాదేశీ రిలీజియస్ ఫండమెంటలిస్ట్ హెయిల్ బక్తియార్ ఖిల్జీ యాజ్ ద హార్బింగర్ ఆఫ్ మరుణ్ మాధమ్ టు దర్ల్యాండ్ శ్రీపాద్ విపిన్ విహారీ గోస్వామి ఫెల్ట్ దట్ శ్రీధామ్ మాయాపూర్ ఇస్ లొకేటెడ్ సమ్వేర్ ఎల్స్ సిన్స్ ద కరెంట్ ఏరియాస్ మార్ష్ ఇన్హాబిటబుల్ ఇన్ ద టైమ్ ఆఫ్ మహాప్రభు ప్లీజ్ క్లియర్ మై డౌట్ భక్తివినోద్ ఠాకూర్ డెల్ట్ విత్ ఆల్ దీస్ కైండ్స్ ఆఫ్ పీపుల్ ఫైనలీ జగన్నాథ్ దాస్ బాబాజీ కన్ఫర్మ్ ద ప్లేస్ ఆఫ్ మాయాపూర్ so we follow the acharyas to find out the birthplace of the lord is not possible by per- persons devoid of spiritual strength um, you need spiritual strength to be able to find out all these things all these secrets so uh, gaurakishor das baba ji he glorified bhaktuna thakur that because bhaktuna thakur is so strong spiritually he could find the birthplace of chaitanya mahaprabhu ordinary historians will not be able to find so easily and to confirm it bhaktuna thakur asked jagannath das baba ji and his dance his ecstatic dance is the confirmation that's why it is good it is said gauravirbhava gauravirbhava <coughs> gauravirbhava bhumestvam nirdeshta sajjana priyam vaishnava sarvabhauma shri jagannathayate namaha jagannath das baba ji's pranati mantra is that that he has confirmed gauravirbhava bhumestvam Uh, the birth side of chaitanya mahaprabhu he has ascertained now if he says it's a marsh and it was not a, uh, inhabitable then what about the radhakund and shamakund which uh, chaitanya mahaprabhu dug out of a paddy field that was not in, inhabitable but chaitanya mahaprabhu said this is the place where you know radha and krishna were having these pastimes so they people of such caliber can actually know others cannot know so we should take their opinion not some who's vipin chandra goswami who's that we don't care we care for the acharyas and their opinions that's how we understand things that's why krishna himself says bhakto se me sakasya rahasyam nitya uttamam you are my devotee and therefore you can understand this rahasya and therefore the parampara is of vaishnava sampradaya not that any other any people is coming and giving their opinions we don't really give so much um, credit to them or importance to them does a stree's pativrata directly correlate to pumsa's bala not really i mean both have to do their part that's the th- that's the thing the man should become spiritually strong and the wife should be chased to the man that is a proper combination progressive combination but um not that the chastity of woman will give strength to the man uh, it is the man who have to give strength to the woman spiritual strength and of course if the woman gives strength to the man by cooperating and not just fighting and arguing and bickering over everything and that will be and of course the man should be guiding her to spiritual life that is proper rani what is it padmini was from simhali royal family and conversant with vaidik vidya okay i don't know 
what is that padmavati okay poly polyamory is very dangerous even for man from a mundane perspective as you can as you take on the partner's ancestral karma and subtle patterns you don't know what you're asking for in casual sex <clears throat> yeah this is a complete nonsense but polygamy was there where the man was uh, polyamory is different polygamy yes was there and that too it was religiously conducted in kaliyuga forget it i mean and the women also and the women also were um i actually give, will give an example of uh this happened last thursday so i was in this vegetable market and i was um talking to a an old lady who is 80 plus i think 82 or 83 or something years old and she's still there she has a business of uh, bananas uh, selling bananas and her truck of bananas hasn't come so i was just having a conversation with her and we were you know she was saying how life comparing life of her young days and now she was saying oh you know nowadays my workers are not so stable you know some every few months they change and i have to find another you know worker previously people used to work for 20 years 30 years at a stretch we never had a problem like this before people are becoming more and more restless and more and more unstable and then so such conversation began and then you know she was saying i mean so i said um, yeah i mean nowadays people don't have any culture also you know they're not so much religious as before they don't have so much values and also even in households parents used to be able to discipline their children now if the children are disciplined some you know a little bit uh, the child will call police on them so how can the parents sufficiently discipline the child the child is becoming spoiled and with that they look pampered and also this idea of child labor she was saying actually that she used to work from she started helping her mother in this business of vegetable selling and all that when she was 7 years old imagine a 7 year old girl helping her mother in her business now western society will call that child labor oh this is child labor but it's not what happens if a person of course you should not abuse a child with you know extraordinary amounts of work but the child actually should learn helping the parents when he is young and especially this is even more so in gurukul system where at 5 years old 6 years old he is given to the gurukul and then there he serves the guru like a slave actually you now people may western world oh slave mental oh this is abuse children abuse it's not it's not actually mistreating the child but he is being trained how to serve and that service attitude will create humility in him and practical skills they will learn by working like that huh? and also they will learn a lot of because they're dealing with life already because they're helping their parents you know and things so they become responsible in that way so even if the gurukul system is not there at least they used to help their parents and that way become a little more cultured and then grow up like that and so in that way the conversation was going and then she was saying that women also were different in those days um the man would take care of the family and sometimes he would have polygamous relationships with other women but the wife used to be okay with that and 
because he used to take care of the family and he used to take care of the other family also with the other woman they they were not actually staying together she will be somewhere else although that's not actually ideal but women used to be okay with that and if we see our own culture which is much more much more civilized much more deeply rooted in krishna consciousness religion people had i mean just recently we did ram navami his father dasharath had three wives right I mean so polygamy was there and co-wives used to live with each other the system was there and i saw in uh, singapore marriage law that just yesterday this was i came to know that apart from registry of marriages there is another registry which is called registry of muslim marriages rom and romm and both have different laws and muslim marriages the child can be married after puberty and the man can have four wives um and all this all such things are there there is a muslim registry marriage that is and civil marriage so two different uh, rules so of course today how much can you know the, the kind of patience that people have the men and women they cannot actually maintain also polygamous relationships uh, by law also it is not this thing but anyway these things were going on <clears throat> and they had reasons legitimate reasons <clears throat> why polygamy was allowed like for example there will be more women than men and every woman must be protected and every man need not be protected and every man need not marry every woman must marry so of course there will be lesser men and more women and some of the men must accept more than one wife that was the was the thing but it's not the illicit relationships one should have you know and then nowadays the sex is for what i mean many even even in marriage even within, within husband and wife it is all for just you know sense gratification not for progeny that's rubbish <clears throat> traditionally the village would be dedicated to the archa vigraha yes that is the, that is the way it should be that is the way it was and before now no in bhavishya purana it is written that there will be great fight between sanatan dharma with muslims and christians in 2050 i don't know about that i haven't read that part i mean i have not read bhavishya puran um i don't know but actually a big fight is not necessary what is necessary is a proper understanding of religion in on merit proper understanding of religion based on merit not just based on sentiments and fanaticism <clears throat> if you objectively study religion and that's what bhakti siddhan saraswati thakur's proposal is also that there should be open discussions on the, the aim of life the aim of religion and all that and then we will find a lot of similarities and at the same time we can um establish that our vaishnava religion especially that which is propagated by chaitanya mahaprabhu to be the highest and everybody can be accepted into that fold and it is not for any some you know conquest and exploitation of people or you know otherwise you know invade them not that way it is just in a very very civil way 
if we have honest discussions among the religious leaders then we can come to and government should actually help in this so anyway there's a whole article written by bakshidan saraswati thakur on that i won't go deeply into that because we have no time now okay Hoji, can you please describe how the Rigveda related to Vaishnava tradition? I don't know much about Vaishnavism. Please help me to understand. So, okay, that is not the subject of our class, so I can't spend time answering that. But all Veda, Veda is to survive Rahameva Vedya. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, all Vedas are meant only to reveal me. The study of all Vedas is meant for understanding me, Krishna said. So, Rigveda and Samveda, Yajurveda, Atharveda, all of them. are meant to reveal krishna in the end but vedeshu durlabham adurlabham atma bhakto by study of vedas we cannot actually find krishna that is paradoxical isn't it but it is not because the vedas have to be approached through the acharya yasya deva para bhaktir yatha deva tatha gurau tasyeti kathita hi arthah prakashante mahatmanah So to go to a Mahatma, who is Mahatma? Defined in Bhagavad Gita as one who surrenders to Krishna in chapter seven, text nineteen, and chapter nine, text thirteen. So such Mahatmas we have to go, and then such Guru we have to go and have to have implicit faith in that Guru. Then all these purposes will be revo- revealed to us. Hmm. How everything is, um, you know, related to Vaishnavism, and how everything points to service to Krishna, surrender to Krishna. That's why Krishna finally says in Bhagavad Gita. Sarvadharman parityajjamamekam sharanam braja. Give up everything else, every other dharma, surrender to me. That is actual dharma. Hmm. Sumit Biswas, but sir, if capitalism is not the way, what model we are supposed to follow? The Vedic model. The Vedic model is very simple. Inordinate. economic development is not the goal dharma is the goal okay so with natural resources develop your own land have your own agriculture cow protection self sustaining communities and herbs which cure the diseases that come in that part of the world the 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 plants already grow there this is by nature's arrangement everything is given Uh, just like when the child takes birth immediately there is milk in the breast of the mother until then there was no uh, milk in the breast after that there are the, the breasts are filled with milk so how krishna has arranged for the food of the child so natural way everything is arranged krishna has arranged so we have to just go with that natural way and just work for self sustenance not extraordinary profits and the rest of the time spend for self spiritual realization spend on the furtherance of religion furtherance of krishna consciousness and have programs have you know dramatic performances dances have entertainment based on krishna consciousness you know so all activities based on krishna consciousness so in that way everything will be properly aligned so a civilization like that would not look like the modern civilization which we think is advancement but actually it is not it will not look like this it will look like a very seemingly in their eyes a very primitive civilization where everything is natural hmm. uh, but 
that will be the most sustainable model and honestly the civilization has sustained for millions of years like that it is now only we are facing this capitalism and it is already ruining it is having some short term gains i don't deny but the long term like you see this pollution and all that it will ruin the earth and bhagavatam already stated that we're not going to have enough food we're not going to have enough water nothing everything will dry up because of these kinds of measures atheistic measures communism is atheistic capitalism is also atheistic vedic way which is sustainable way that's why bharat should be the beacon light to actually show the real way of life they say oh dharma is a way of life this is the way of life huh? spiritual and that spiritual will percolate into every other aspect of life spiritual is at the summit and that will automatically percolate into every single aspect of our life and everything will be religious in that point at that point how agriculture should be performed religiously ideally we should not have tractors we should have bulls now the bulls they are just sent to the slaughterhouse because they have no use anymore but we should actually have bulls now you may say oh that is very small scale you should have large scale why this industrial farming why it is necessary it's not necessary every man can you know have his own produce and by using the bulls and everything he'll become also have he will have good exercise first of all and the bull is being maintained and the cow will give so many nice ingredients panchagavya which is used for all kind of sacrificial performances the bull also of course will give all that so these are the things that are necessary for actual human life for our furtherance of our spiritual life the focus should be on that but nowadays our focus is on money money is not the focus it's a secondary thing to attain the dharma attain you know uh, moksha and finally of course love of god had prema prema pumartho mahan that is the actual model we have to follow that's why you you see rama rajya how lord ramachandra what is so great about rama rajya he did not have capitalism neither did uh, yudhishthir maharaj not did parishit maharaj not did prithu maharaj none of them had capitalism in place they had the vedic model krishna conscious model where krishna is at the center and devotion to krishna is the measuring yardstick by which a person's advancement is um measured and the whole education system is geared towards that the whole work culture is geared towards that now all work culture education and the inspiration the inspirational figures so called in society are all geared towards capitalist agenda we are being fed an agenda when we are thinking we are successful if we become one of those we are just slaves to that agenda that's all that's what is happening even forbes is not real as they gave, gave the tag of best bank to svb <laughs> which fell apart okay <laughs> yeah of course it's full of faults unji tantra capitalism relies on karma sam varna sankara yeah gita says varna is based on guna and karma yes in every society there are classes and different levels of existence that's right padarth substance has been separated from reality India is always a holy land and many spiritual masters and divine personalities had come to guide us that's true but your um, profile picture of the vivekananda 
I am sorry to say, but he is not one of those. He is given a lot of respect, but honestly, if you compare his teachings with the Vedic teachings, with Bhagavad Gita, they do not match. I am sorry to say, I mean, maybe you have a lot of faith in him, but he is not one of those saintly persons who actually uh, properly represented our religion. In fact, he misrepresented. And I can quote many, many evidences for that. I don't want to go into that at this point. So, we should know who is actually a sadhu. He was not a devotee of Krishna. Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, Sarvadharman Paritijya Mamekam Saranam Raja. That is necessary. Surrender to Krishna. Whoever does that, then he is actually a guru. Um, now, he told many things contrary to devotional principles. So, like, you know, what is the use of temples? Football fields are better. What is the use of tulsi plant? Egg plant is better. Things like this. I mean, and he even ate meat. I don't know if you know. When he went to America, he ate meat. And so, principle-wise, he's not actually very interesting. I mean, even he was close with women there. So, even his uh, so-called gurus, Ramakrishna, they call him Paramahamsa. We disagree. It's not the case. So, these things are not understood because people don't check them against the actual standards mentioned in Bhagavad Gita. Krishna is the real guru. Okay? What he says, if anybody follows that, then he is also guru. If his ideology is something else, immediately reject. Immediately reject. That's it. So, many people do not know. I will just quote you something from Bhagavad Gita. And this is the case with Kali Yuga. 1832. Adharmam dharmam itiya manyate tamasavrita sarvartham viparitamscha buddhi sapartha tamasi. That understanding which considers irreligion to be religion and religion to be irreligion under the spell of illusion and darkness and strives always in the wrong direction of Partha is in the mode of ignorance. Intelligence in the mode of ignorance is always working the opposite of the way it should. It accepts religions which are not actually religions and rejects actual religion. Men in ignorance understand a great soul to be a common man and accept a common man as a great soul. And that's what Vivekananda was. They think truth to be untruth and accept untruth as truth. In all activities, they simply take the wrong path. Therefore, the intelligence is in the mode of ignorance. Now, here is where Hindus will become, hey, come on, you are working for unity of Hindus or you know, separation of Hindus. We are not actually for Hindus. Hindu is a foreign word. Sanatan Dharma is our real word. And what is Sanatan Dharma? The Lord is Sanatan. We are Sanatan, eternal meaning. And the Lord's abode is Sanatan. And our journey towards the Sanatan Dharma to engage in the service of the Sanatan Lord and we ourselves being Sanatan part and parcel of the Lord, that transaction of devotion between the Lord and the, I mean the devotee and the Lord, that is our Sanatan Dharma. Okay? And it has no beginning in time, no end in time. It is always true. Even if we forget for, for the time being, why if I don't consider myself Hindu or Sanatan Dharma, I am still a Sanatan follower of Sanatan Dharma, not follower. I belong. My original relationship is that. Like for example, if I say that I don't I don't consider this person as my father. But I can't change the relationship that this is my father and I am his son. So the relationship is true. Of course, our material relationship will end with the body. But our real real relationship with the Lord does not change that we are his parts and parcels. It does not change. That is Sanatan Dharma. So, that is the real meaning of Sanatan Dharma. Anything other than that is not. Is not. That's why 
then we may ask why there are so many types of pujas you know there are so many devatas and those are all stepping stones to the point of the actual sanatan dharma which is vaishnavism vishnu bhakti and that is exactly what bhagavad gita is saying and bhagavad gita is the essence of all the vedas sarvopanishado gavo dogdha gopalanandana partho vatsah sudhir bhokta dugdham gitamritam maha sankracharya himself said what is the use of study of any other scripture when you read Bhagavad Gita? He is saying himself in his own Gita, Gita Mahatma. And Bhagavad Gita is saying this. That's surrender unto me, Krishna is saying. Alone. So all those who cannot surrender to Krishna, Krishna is saying, okay, you surrender to Ganesh, surrender to Shiva. But who are they? They are my chalas. So indirectly you are surrendering to me. But you are not accepting that you are surrendering to me. You are thinking you are surrendering to someone else. But they are not independent of me. Whatever they can give you, they are only able to give you because of me. I am sanctioning. Krishna is saying. So if we understand this, Bhagavad Gita properly, then we will understand who is actually right, who is Guru, who is not, what is religion, what is not. All this we will understand. We need a lot of cleanup inside of Sanatana Dharma, inside of so-called Hinduism that is known today. We have a lot of, lot of cleanup to be done. I follow Advaita school of philosophy. I like Gita commentary of Adi Sankracharya. Well, Adi Sankracharya said himself, Bhajagovindam, Bhajagovindam, Govindam, Bhajam, Mudhamate. You may like, but Krishna is saying, Brahmanohi Pratishtaham. I am the basis of the impersonal Brahman. Impersonal Brahman, the Brahma Jyoti is coming from me. Just like any light. There is light in this room which I am sitting in. But there is a source of light. The light here in this room is all pervading, but the source of light is localized. So similarly, the Brahma Jyoti. Brahman, that is coming from Krishna. Brahmanohi Pratishtha Aham. He's saying, I am the basis of the impersonal, I am the source of the impersonal Brahma Jyoti. So, you may like or not, but there is not the truth. There is only partial aspect. Impersonal uh, Advaita Vedanta is a partial understanding. It's not complete understanding. And we can never become God. Advaita Acharya says, I mean, sorry, Advaita Acharya. Shankaracharya says like that. Uh, we can become one with God, merge with God. We cannot merge with God. We will always become, we will always be a, because if we can merge with God, that means the Dharma is not Sanatana. It landed at a certain point when we will merge with God. That time our Dharma is no more. No, Sanatana Dharma means it is always there. And Krishna says in Bhagavad Gita, the soul is not cleavable. It cannot be divided. It cannot be merged. So, it doesn't convalesce, it doesn't divide. It is always Sanatana. Natve vaham jatanasam natvam neme janadipa. Nasevana bhavishyama sarve vayamatah param. At all times we are all existing as individuals, Krishna is saying. And we will stay as individuals even after liberation. <clears throat> How should we interpret worship of Lord Shiva by Lord Ram? First of all, Valmik Ramayana does not state that he actually worshipped Lord Shiva. Valmik Ramayana does not have this. There are other aspects of other uh, Ramayana which says, now, even if, say, let's say, he has actually worshipped Lord Shiva, what is contradictory in that? That does not establish that Lord Shiva is supreme. Okay, if you say that is, then what about Krishna becoming the charioteer for Arjuna? He became a driver for Arjuna. So Arjuna is superior to Krishna? Or he was tied up by Mother Yashoda. Is Mother Yashoda superior to Krishna? 
he carried the shoes of nanda maharaj on his head when he was a boy so nanda maharaj is superior to krishna he became the son of vasudevan devaki so vasudevan devaki was superior to krishna ugrasena is his grandfather so ugrasena is superior to krishna he yes there is superior only in rasa rasa tattva in relationship that is a kind of flavor of devotion so lord uh, krishna he always worships his devotees not only lord shiva he worships so many devotees his own devotees krishna washed the feet of sudama so sudama is superior to krishna tell me so even if lord ram worship lord shiva that does not mean lord shiva is superior hmm. whereas lord shiva is always meditating on ram and he fell for mohini but lord krishna or shiva i mean lord krishna or ram they never fell for lord shiva lord shiva fell when mohini murti came hmm. but krishna or ram they never fall so we have to see i mean objectively why even if lord ram actually worship lord shiva how does that um you know make the position of ram inferior or shiva to be the supreme it does not it does not I'm going to start working soon. So should I tell my manager it's against my religion to not wear tilak and dhoti kurta? I don't know. He will allow you to work. <laughs> Because as much as you have right to practice your religion, he has his right to you know, employ whoever he wants. So you have to strike a balance there. And at least keep your principles, the most essential principles intact, uh, which is eating prasadam. And, you know. and I mean, if you can, of course, join full time, that will be the best. full time devotee but if you can't if you're working then you know don't compromise on your four principles uh, even don't directly or indirectly eat with people who are eating meat you can't do that um, so at least those principles should be if you can wear tilak to the you know workplace you know that's well and good um, if you wear, if you can wear dhoti even better i mean if he allows you why not <laughs> i mean it is much more even in current society even though it is like ethics you are it is much more acceptable for a woman to wear anything she wants but man only wears pants shirts like that so even if a woman wears a sari she will not be like looked upon weirdly maybe she will be for a while but after that okay she will accept so that's her dress but women are themselves not uh, confident of wearing the sari they are not I mean, even Indian women, they're not confident of wearing sari. <clears throat> so, I mean, there has to be a change. Of course, it's best not even to go out there and work. That's the ideal, you know. So, that's what we should, I mean, Prabhupada, I mean, during his time, where devotees were working, men or women, you know, they were full-time and they were serving, you know. Okay, so Dilip is saying, Prabhuji, I'm unable to completely stop my bad habit. I have one doubt that should I have to wait till I completely atone my sins and then chant? Because if I chant, I shouldn't be committing sin, seventh offense. Well, you just chant first. Okay, that is the only atonement that can be done. It's not about committing sins on the strength of chanting. 
but chanting to purify yourself and eventually the chanting is more powerful and it will overtake your sinful activity and then you will be all right situated i think this question these comments are going over a lot i don't have so much time honestly diksha guru of bhakti thakur ah bhakti thakur rejected him already that weapon okay that, that weapon we hurry okay okay that one he already was rejected because i see nowadays i see muslims wear burqa etc yeah they are standing for the religion i mean that's why if you can you should i don't know if he still keep you in the office i i don't know but if you can yeah, why not you should say this is cultural diversity you should respect my religion i mean of course best is if you don't even work there you can teach them you know start a temple but because you have to be trained also not marking your forehead is a crime you are doing to others clothes are not so important well it's not so important but if you can do why not you know nobody cared when i wore bhasma to my pipe fitting job this isn't about show if i can wear if i know i can wear this at work as an additional reminder spiritually of krishna for myself and in effect others as well then i'll do yeah try this is the same mentality which toppled vedic civilization being passive actually they were not so pacifist as we were led to believe um, they were actually having a lot of wars they in fact fought very hard but those wars were covered to our we did not learn all of that in the history um but also uh, the pacifist nature was also there i don't deny but there was also war there was a lot of resistance but the problem was spiritually they were weak militarily they may be strong in trying to spiritually the core was dwindling you know the core knowledge the core aspect of our culture was dwindling so this birthright brahmanism and all these things are actually a very very uh, uh, vulnerable section i mean vulnerable parts of our society of our civilization which were easily exploited by the invaders but if people if things were intact as they should be <clears throat> then it would not have happened so easily so the crumbling is not because of a lack of warriors there were warriors but the inherent societal fractures that were happening because of a mis um misrepresentation and a misunderstanding of our religion of our varna system ashram system and the whole purpose of religion in the first place that actually contributed to the decline of power he started with shringi the brahmana who cursed parishit maharaj so there began the downfall of the brahmanas rakshasa kalimashritya jayante brahma yonishu utpanna brahmana kule badhante shrotyan krishan so rakshasas actually in kaliyuga they take birth in brahman families and they actually harass the real brahmanical culture and bring about the downfall of the entire civilization <clears throat> Vedas is the knowledge of divine and Upanishads. Uh, Gyan Kanda of Vedas is very important to study Shruti scriptures. Well, you cannot understand any Shruti or Smriti without Guru. 
that is even more important and actually you cannot understand shruti scriptures without smriti there is also a verse is there like that in the shloka nimanita uh, prabhu quoted that in the smriti smritis are very important shankaracharya in a manipulative way he try to you know discount the importance of smriti shastra but smriti shastra is as important as shruti shastra in fact even more important that shloka says it's even more important than shruti shastra because it's, it clarifies the message even much more clearly you study the message i mean the rigveda or any vedas and you study bhagavatam which is more clear bhagavatam is way more clear vedas are not so clear so it can be interpreted in myriad ways so that is not possible in bhagavatam it's very very clear succinct and to the point there's no scope that's why shankaracharya did not dare interpret uh, bhagavatam because there was no room for interpretation it had to be of course some of his foolish followers started to interpret bhagavatam um but shankaracharya himself did not attempt why people outside iskon doesn't know anything about chaitanya mahaprabhu is he only god for iskon people one has to be fortunate to know chaitanya mahaprabhu god for iskon people what kind of question is that so god cannot be god for a section of people that's not god god means supreme personality of godhead whether one accepts him or not he's god it doesn't depend on popular opinion walks po- popularly no next there is enough evidence given in chaitanya charitamritam from shastras proving that chaitanya mahaprabhu is the supreme personality of godhead and that's how we should determine whether a somebody is an incarnation or not not simply put the picture on the altar immediately when somebody says he is in god that's why they put uh, vivekananda's picture sai baba's picture everybody's picture comes into the altar just because you know he is well known doesn't make him god shastra should support every incarnation is supported by shastra even kalki who has yet to come he is also already mentioned in shastra his father's name is mentioned his village of birth is mentioned buddha was mentioned before way before he came hmm so islam i mean muhammad was mentioned in bhavishya puran i mean all these things are already mentioned what will happen kaliyuga in fact the land of kashmir and all these you know uh, will be taken over by mlechas all these are mentioned in the bhagavatam so we have to refer to the shastras to see what is correct and what is wrong who is god and who is not hmm you see here in this this verse i am showing on the screen they don't know what is religion what is not what is to be done what is not to be done what is truth what is untruth what is a common man what is a great man great soul they don't know all these things we should promote upanishad six darshan to get a deeper vision of sanatan dharma no we will not get by reading bhagavatam we will actually get akhila shruti saram by bhagavatam we will get the saram of entire vedic literature we will not get otherwise i will challenge balance of science technology and spirituality can give us hope for better society see spirituality is not devoid of science don't mistake modern science is actually although it looks like a blessing it's not because we are just using whatever is there facility to do our work but if this facility was not there it would have been much more effective to do our work now we are doing some you know videos and our live streams and all that but let's say this video this whole platform is not there 
this whole social media distraction is not there and all these movies and all is not there only you know devotees are there in every part of the world i mean they don't have to be distracted by so many so many things so many videos and then one of the videos is this live stream no all that clutter will go we can focus more seriously on krishna consciousness see so i mean we are not against whatever modern technological advancement but all should be done in the service of krishna consciousness not otherwise okay you are saying but vivekananda great person you should read his teachings i will not i already know i have read his books okay he is not a preacher of vedanta he, in fact he asked the question that is vyasa a madman that is there in his letter is vyasa a madman see that's why we don't have to read any other teachings please try to understand i'm not actually attacking you i'm not attacking you i'm just objectively telling what is the fact you should read bhagavad gita and especially by a devotee shri prabhupada because bhakto sme sakha chete rahasyam hetu uttamam even even if you read other translations of bhagavad gita you will not get the proper understanding you have to understand it understand it from a devotee and because krishna himself ordains that then once you read bhagavad gita then you will be in a position to judge any other person or a book or anything without that you will have a clouded vision you think he is he is actually advancing the purpose of vedanta he is not and i can i can debate this very extensively but this is not the time for that i have no time i have other things to do still and this is not the right platform so anyway um okay impersonal brahman is not light according to vedanta according to vedanta brahman is pure consciousness both it is both brahma jyoti it is there the unending light and also brahman the all pervading consciousness now in my body consciousness is all pervading you you pinch any part of my body i will feel the pain but the soul is sitting in the heart now although the soul is localized sitting in the heart its influence is felt all over the body so similarly brahman supreme consciousness the lord is conscious of everything but the lord is a person that you have to understand anyway this is a whole thing you can read our books then you will have a much more holistic understanding of this whole philosophy you should read you should not limit yourself to advaita philosophy because you are missing out a lot missing out on a lot in fact you are missing out on almost everything that our scriptures have to offer if you just limit yourself to advaita understanding advaita understanding is a very partial understanding very rudimentary understanding of the absolute truth brahmeti paramatmeti bhagavaniti shabdate those who reach bhagavan level those who understand the person god personality of krishna he understands all three aspects of brahman paramatma and bhagavan but if you only limit yourself to brahman you cannot understand paramatma and bhagavan you cannot understand hmm. can we worship the people tree yes it is one of the holy trees and it is to be worshiped actually um, even by vaishnavas but it is not strongly recommended by our acharya so of course we respect you know um <clears throat> but it is not a very significant portion of a significant um, aspect of our system this saguna and nirguna brahman you are saying they have a very 
twisted understanding of saguna brahman they think the deities are saguna brahman and eventually through the deities you will come to the point of nirguna brahman and the example is given of that of an envelope which contains the letter so until it reaches the destination the envelope is important the letter inside is not so important even if nothing is there inside the envelope the envelope will go to go there the envelope is important but after it reaches there the envelope is not important it is the first thing that is discarded the letter inside becomes important so they say the impersonal idea is that this saguna brahman is the way towards nirguna brahman the deity worship yes should be done but it is a interim process which will eventually take us to the nirguna brahman after which we don't need this deity worship anymore if it is all nirguna so that is wrong understanding hmm. okay the deity is as is non different from the lord hmm. not that nirguna brahman is the ultimate no that's completely wrong understanding <clears throat> animal sacrifice are there mentioned in vedas yeah there is for tamasic people so oh your argument is that animal sacrifice is mentioned in vedas and therefore vivekananda feeds it is okay come on that is for tamasic people to elevate themselves you know why animal sacrifice is mentioned because it is to restrict the people from unlimitedly wanton killing killing of animals okay you kill only once a month on the amavasya day goat in front of kali and that's how we do it so it is to restrict the unrestricted animal killers to reduce their suffering and also when you are killing you have to say that mamsah khadati iti mamsah so now i am killing you so you have the right to kill me and eat me in, in your next life so i am agreeing to those terms and conditions and there i am killing so it is very different so it is not that oh because it is sanctioned in vedas it is all okay no it is not okay for a acharya for a guru for a preacher of vedanta absolutely not okay that is for tamasic people who are antyajas chandalam lecha you know they those kind of people are doing those it is for them to slowly elevate themselves to from fifth class to fourth class and you know, all like that to come but not for a preacher of sanatan dharma no that's not allowed vaishnava should be completely devoid. even a mayavadi i mean advaitavadi he won't eat meat how can you i mean <clears throat> not vivekananda only allowed it he actually ate meat he ate meat his chanting of har mahamantra more powerful in kaliyuga than rest of the yugas no it is always powerful it is more important because it is the only way in the kaliyuga hmm. you are saying it is a debatable topic it is not you do not know that's why, that's why you do not know the understanding of vedanta vedanta is meant for elevating all kinds of people think of it like a mountain now some people are at the base of the mountain some people are at the top so the rules that are there for the people at the base is not the rules that are meant for the people at the top hmm it's because vedas allow for meat eating animal sacrifice it's not that the vaishnavas should eat animals no krishna says patram pushpam phalam toyam yoye bhaktya prayachati and offer me food in the vegetarian category uh, so that is a much higher principle so for those who cannot follow that who are wantonly killing okay don't wantonly kill don't eat every single day just on amavasya you eat little bit that is a sacrifice sacrificing their tendency to eat every single day okay and eventually and i also say they must say this mantra that you know i am killing so you have the right to kill me in your next life so the whole point is to make him realize hey why am i doing this i'm actually harming myself by doing this i should stop this just like cigarette 
is injurious to health but it is it is sold and the tax is high tobacco tax and you, so you have to pay a higher amount of money waste a lot of money and before you can open the packet the packet you know has smoking is injurious to health and in singapore there is also pictures of the diseases that you get brain tumor or cancer or this and that all these things so the whole point is to discourage you to do it from doing it but if you still want to be stupid enough to do it then you can do it pay the high price see all the you know warnings and still be stupid enough to smoke you can do it so the, that is the same point in vedas also so people who are allowed um, when there is allowance of such sacrifice it is for those stupid people to slowly we are not selling them stupid just to to you know denigrate them no actually foolish they are actually foolish but we have to elevate them we have to make them not foolish how to not make them, how to make them elevate if you say that don't eat meat they may not listen okay okay you eat meat but you do in this, this way okay okay i'll follow something so in that way at least he is following the vedic principle after many lifetimes of such thing maybe he will come to the next higher position next higher and after many lifetimes he will get purified and come to the vaishnava platform but of course if he can be transformed straight away by a devotee like mrigari hunter was um, purified by narad muni he immediately became vaishnava so that is the whole point the whole point is to let everybody climb this mountain and reach the top at uh, the summit that is the whole point and that's why there are different different um, uh, instructions in different scriptures in our own vedas is meant for tamasic rajasic satvic people and then those who are above satvic shuddha satva those are vaishnavas so instructions at each levels are different you should not misunderstand that oh it is all debatable no no it's not nothing is debatable it it is only debatable when you do not have a proper guru to guide you to tell you what is actually the real purpose of all these things so understand that Shreya Sharma, if you are not able to wear sari and tilak at work, will it be considered as disobeying the spiritual master? No. But did you try? Did you try wearing tilak, putting on tilak and wearing sari? Or are you just assuming that they will not allow you? If you stand for it and fight for it, maybe they will allow you. Not exactly fight for it like a protest or something. Let's say this is my religion. I mean, this is our culture. Why can't I wear it? so if they can if they will allow you why not and I, honestly going to work is a is a is a paradox there because ideally that's not the way but even if you are working try to wear first of all try and even the, even if there is resistance don't immediately give up oh they they said don't wear okay i'll not wear no no say it to them i mean i mean burkhas they're wearing hijab you know big big issue in india right hijab hijab so you also say i mean i want to wear my sari why not am i be will i be less productive in a sari i don't think so but i am i want to i mean this is my culture i want to wear so and this is my you know tilak why not even here some devotees go into their offices with tilak of course maybe not a dhoti that do they won't allow but at least tilak so i mean we should do it as much as possible you are saying first you should read complete works of swami vivekananda no you sir please read complete works of krishna prabhupad bhagavad gita bhagavatam chaitanya charitamrita nectar you, you you read because we are following vedic scriptures he is not following he is having his own he is he never commented on anything he is just having his own philosophy with nothing to do with the vedas 
just taking here and there from you know some parts of the vedas and then making up his own thing yatama tathapat sorry you should read you should read the vedic scriptures <clears throat> you're saying don't restrict our culture within a kitchen hello you don't know even what is culture first you don't come up with this emotional whatever you know you just, you just read we're not even actually taking a case on you you actually read it is for your own good i'm telling anyway i'm not going to um how the technology is a blessing depends on how we, we use it for sure i'm not saying no but it should be a means to destroy the whole thing what i'm saying is ajagar vritti i don't know how long this class will go on ajagar vritti means a snake he will now rats will make tunnels okay snake will go into the tunnel eat the rats and stay in the holes and now it becomes a snake pit so we similarly will use their own devices to destroy their own culture and replace it with our culture and after that these devices will will be of no use no need in fact so but in the meantime we may use their devices against them so now this social media or whatever is there to bewilder people but we will use it for our own thing to save people from bewildering how much ever is possible so we will do that and until to the point where eventually this is not necessary hmm. i have student after studying advaita dvaita veda bheda i became a follower of vedanta well i would say you are not follower of vedanta actually vedanta means the end of veda end of knowledge vedanta vedaishta sarvai rahame bhavedu krishna is saying i am the end of all knowledge the quest of knowledge ends with knowing me krishna is saying so you do not know him you have not you have not studied vedanta yeah it is i don't deny it is given everywhere yeah but it is not for vaishnavas yes he ate beef vegan pork also he ate why do people say chaitanya charitamrita shrimad bhagavatam 11 canto and 12 were not bona fide some idiots people and politician make him great and put him in superior superiority complex because of him now in bengal everyone eat fish yeah he says ganga prasad fish is ganga prasad you see saurav sahu is saying yes i am from bengal my father also followed this ramakrishna mission yes they don't restrict meat eating they say it is nothing to do with spirituality vedanta means conclusion of the vedas yes sir that's what i'm saying the conclusion of vedas is to know krishna <laughs> you're not understanding <clears throat> even krishna perform bali it is mentioned in vishnu purana okay you show me Uh, what, no matter what krishna does you have to follow what he is asking you he lifted over the nil you can show me whatever you want but you're not going to convince me against what we should be doing in 
our krishna consciousness in our actual life and if you want really want to follow vedanta krishna never advocated for any uh, meat eating okay patram pushpam phalam to me clearly said so i don't know what you're going to show me but nothing will really nothing will really convince me if fish is ganga prasad then eat the mud yeah ओके आई थिंक आई स्टॉप इट हियर थैंक यू वेरी मच फॉर योर टाइम जय श्री चैतन्य चरितामृत की जय श्री प्रभुपाद की जय निताय गौर प्रेमानंद हरि हरि गौर हरे कृष्ण व्हाट व्हाई आर यू इग्नोरिंग मी सर आई एम सॉरी आई डोंट अंडरस्टैंड व्हाट इज इग्नोरिंग आई आंसर एवरी ऑफ योर कमेंट आई डोंट नो व्हाट यू सेइंग ओके एनीवे हरे कृष्ण